Is that as on? It doesn't tell. Oh, there we go, yeah. Good evening. Welcome to yet another episode of Third and Short Overtime. Once again, we are discussing divisions, and this week we're taking on the, the AFC West. So that's the uh, the Denver Broncos, the, uh, the, oh, no, the first mistake, the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and the Oakland... No, that's wrong as well. The Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm stuck in 2005. So, as usual, I am joined by... Um, Below me, I'm joined by uh, Bones, our purveyor of poverty franchises. Um, in the bottom left, we have the Geordie Preacher, Mark Steele. Uh, I'm really looking forward to his bit this week. And joining us again this week, to my left, is uh, is Jamie Crawford, who some of you may know as the, uh, the producer of the main Third and Short podcast and uh, an insufferable Buccaneers fan. So, <laughs> I mean, they all are at the moment. So, so yeah, the AFC West, guys. Um I, I kind of always thought of this is quite a, quite an open offensive division. You know, I think of like the Shanahan Broncos, you know, the Chargers with like uh, Rivers and even Breeze before that, you know, with Schottenheimer. The Raiders have always been kind of, in my mind, a wide open offense, throwing a lot of deep passes, you know, kind of like the Al Davis way. And the Chiefs even historically have been quite an offensive team. And with Andy Reid now, even more so. What do you guys think of when you think of the AFC West? Let's go to a guy that's got a team in the AFC West. No spoilers. Uh, let's go to you, Mark. What, what, does the, what do you think of when you think of the AFC West? I think of a team, or I think of a, of a division that constantly, I think, pushes the offensive boundaries of NFL. Obviously, we've got Patrick Mahomes, who I think many would argue is at least raw talent-wise the most exciting quarterback in the NFL at this moment in time. And the rest of the division, in order to try and compete with uh, Pat Mahomes, rather than try to slow them down, what they've tried to do is they've tried to build their rosters up and they've tried to match them offensively, firepower for firepower. Um, You know, so this, this division really is built at this moment in time with high powers, high scoring offenses in mind. Um, I think all four teams that we're talking about tonight have the ability to put 30 points on the team and are disappointed if they don't put, you know, 28 points plus on the ball each game. Um, They've all got exciting, fast, electric talent, be it Ruggs, Tyreek Hill, Hamler or uh, Mike Williams. You know, like, you know, like they've they've all got a fast speed receiver, I would say. They've all got running games um, where the running backs are versatile and as, as good as catching the ball as you are running in between the tackles, Josh Jacobs and Ekla, you know, Melvin Gordon, and of course, um, Clyde Edwards are there. It's a very quick on, offense, high point, um, cavalier kind of division in my eyes, as we try to tool ourselves to match what really is a you know, like a transcendental player in his position. Yeah. In the NFL. yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's always been one of those one of those divisions that has exciting matchups because it's teams basically trying to outscore each other. Um, yeah, I've always I've always enjoyed it myself. What about you, Jamie? What what's your take on the the AFC West? Second place, that's what it is. The runners <laughs> up. No, <laughs> um, it, it's one of those that has kind of. It's it's come a lot bigger since Mahomes, I would say. Um, I mean, obviously you had the Broncos when they had Manning, um, 
is 2015. Is that how long ago it's been? 2013? Yeah, around then. But yeah. that's it. That's it, really. Like, Paddy Mahomes basically has put this division on the map for me anyway. I don't think there was a lot of people that thought about this as being a contender for the Super Bowl most of the time. But now, like I said, Mahomes has gone to the Chiefs. And you've got Justin Herbert gone with the Chargers. And now... Again, I mean, the Broncos, were they going to take a quarterback or not? I know we're going to talk about their draft in a little bit as well. But you've got so many exciting quarterbacks in there. And like you said, there's high-scoring potential in there. And then you've got the shambles out of the Raiders, I'm sure. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's an interesting point that you uh, it's an interesting point that you raise about like Mahomes kind of energising the division again. I think Mark touched on that as well. Like... These are teams that have like historically been good around the same time and kind of also suffered lulls at the same time as well. The Broncos made a couple of bad hires at head coach. It's kind of dropped them off a bit. The Raiders, I don't know, kind of fluctuated over the over the years. The Chiefs really not really been a consistent winner till Andy Reid came in, and the Chargers kind of always been there and thereabouts, but never really got to the top. It's an interesting. It's an interesting one, but there is a lot of potential in this division. Um, I'll come to you, Bones. What 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 are you taking away from the AFC West? What do you think of it all? I I, I mean I agree that these days I think the AFC West is is known for offense. I do think that we all forget about the seventies when the Oakland Raiders were a defense first team that just <laughs> annihilated people across the field. Like they were an absolutely savage defense and. You know, at one point, the, the division looked completely different. But these days, yeah, it, it's a predominantly high-pace high offense division. It's all pretty... Like, they all have strong run games, but they're all run games to set up the pass game. It's, it's They're not... I, don't, I wouldn't consider them run first division in the same way yeah. that the northern divisions are, where it's pure ground and pound run the football. This is... This is a bit more run to set up the pass, and you often see dual threat running backs, like people who can catch and throw, people who can go and run out into the spread and go on a motion. Like, so, and it's yeah, it's really it's become a really dynamic division. It's definitely very pass heavy. You see it, you see it in the defenses. You see they're all they're all anti pass defenses. So yeah, no, I think I think it's a good division. It's an exciting division. Is the thing about throwing divisions like this one when you've got people like Mahomes. And to be fair to the other quarterbacks, like there are other good quarterbacks in this division, um, not Drew Locke, but um, yeah, no, I'm, it's 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 a fun division. But it has changed over the years. I did want to I did want to mention that that it wasn't no, always no. just a passing passing division. And I know we're going back a long way saying oh the seventies <laughs> Raiders, but the seventies Raiders are something. To see if you've never looked at that era of football, go and look at the Raiders play back then because they are dominant defense, That's just annihilating. Cool. Yeah, well, like, and it's back like, in the day when you could batter people, pretty much. Thing, yeah, that's kind of gone out of the game. It's interesting, though. You're right. There's a couple of historic, well, probably three historic franchises in this division. Chargers really are the only ones that probably aren't, even though they've been around a while as well. Um, you know, these are teams that have historically been big names in the NFL. Um, I wanted to come back to and you, no one can sit still you something you wanted to add. So what have you got, Mark? Yeah, it was, it was really just a little bit more on what Bones was saying there. You know, like, I mean, traditionally, this has always had a superstar in this division. You know, you can go back and it's always had some bona fide transitional, you know, like it's kind of been a division which has made pivot points for the NFL on the way that the NFL shapes itself. For example, Ladini and Tomlinson, 
was arguably one of the first pass-catching, dual-threat running backs. And he played for the Chargers in this division. You know, we're talking about people like, you know, John Elway, you know, like we, when we go back to the Denver Broncos in the 90s and before that, you know what I mean? You know, you're talking about Joe Montana and things like that, you know, who saw time in his career in these divisions as well. You know, um, and, the, and it's always been competitive. What, Like what you were saying, though, I think in this division, what it's kind of almost lacked is it's kind of, it's it's dominated for long periods by one team. You know, like where you see another division, and, and at different points, it's been all four of the yeah. franchises. In the 70s and 80s, the Raiders dominated it. In the 90s, you know, like it was uh, it was the Denver Broncos under John Elway who were dominating it. And then in the early part of the 2000s, John Gruden's first era, the Raiders were John the Raiders were dominated again. Then it went to the uh, then it went to the Chargers for a little bit who were dominating it. And now you go to the Chiefs who were dominating it again. You know what I mean? And it's kind of like it's it, it's Allure has produces really good players and really um, exciting transitional players. When a team can nail the championship, they tend to nail it for three or four years off the bat. You know what I mean? It's not like, for example, like the, the NFC South, which you're in, Jamie. You know what I mean? Which, yeah, the Saints have had it for a good period. But, you know, like each season you can go in and you can kind of go... Oh, well, you know, the Bucks are in with a shot this year, or, you know, like it might be the Panthers who might come in with it. You know, you were talking about the Super Bowls that your teams have, you know, like that your conference has produced, you know, like all all four of them, have, you know, all, you know, have, have yeah. Super Bowls. this division's not like that. It's kind of like if you're winning it, you're the best by streets ahead kind of thing. We're doing, you know, it, it, it's it's really, um, it is really, it is really a, a, a funny division. One thing I would stress as well, though, whilst there has been really, vaunted for its offences, this division, is produce some fearsome pass rushers in the time. You know, like Howie Long, DeMarcus Ware, Von Miller, you know, you've got Bosa, you've had Melvin Ingram, you know, it, it's produced some phenomenal uh, Derek Thomas. If anyone remember Derek Thomas, who used to play for Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good story, bit of a tragic story, died young in a car accident. But wow, what a pass rusher he was when I started watching the game. You know, he was like Ladalian. It was like, it was like, uh, he, he was, he was phenomenal. You know, he was like LT. You know, like over in New York. You know, he was this fearsome pass rusher, and it, it's produced, it's produced some really good pass rushing tandems as well. You know what I mean? And I think all of these teams at the moment have got a good pass rush tandem on them. You know what I mean? Uh, um, obviously at the Broncos, you've got Von Miller and Chubb. At the Raiders, you've got Yannick and Gokwe and Crosby. You know, the Chiefs have got Frank Clark and, you know, like they've got good defensive tackles as well, like Chris Jones and stuff like that. You know, it's 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 got, and, and obviously in LA, you've got, um, you've got Bosa and you did have Ingram recently as well, you know. So you've got, it's, it's kind of like throw the ball, get the passer. It's kind of like what it is. Like, that's yeah, what yeah. can you get the passer and can you get a sack and can you throw the ball and can you be high powered? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it's we've talked before about like the northern divisions being quite run heavy because of the conditions. I think possibly we see the opposite in the west because obviously, with the possible exception of Denver, you know, it's it's kind of a lot of teams playing open air. You know, you're not getting the same sort of bad weather that you would in certain areas. I think there's yeah, and you're right about the the one team dominating as well. I think it has always gone in in eras. Um, 
think what we may discover tonight is that we're still in the Chiefs era, but I think there are still some potential challenges. You know, I think there's. I think <laughs> I'll lay my cards on the table early. I think there's three good teams in this division. It won't take a genius to work out which the bad one is, but uh, we'll uh, we'll start with um, we'll start our team by team breakdown, and we are going to go to uh, Bones. And he's going to talk the Denver Broncos. So, go on, what have you got for us, Bones? I think the Broncos is an interesting one because there's two ways to look at the Broncos draft. And there's one where they get a quarterback in the next part of free agency, the the post-June whatever free agency, when the contracts change and you can sign people in a different way. Because that's when they're rumoured to be getting someone if they're getting someone at all and I think that's the biggest question mark on this team if you look at their draft if you if you take Drew Locke out of the equation and you look at their draft I think their draft is really good like you look at it in isolation as its own what did they address needs yeah did the did the draft value where they drafted these needs yeah like did they get better yeah like there's a lot of good things about this Denver Broncos draft but the big question mark still comes back to Drew Locke. Drew Locke was not a good quarterback last year. Drew Locke was one of the most inconsistent quarterbacks in the league last year. Um, one of the most responsible for missed passes to... You know, I, I'm a big fan of Jerry Judy. I thought Jerry Judy was a really, really good receiver coming out of college. and I was really excited to see him. He was a crisp route runner. He did well in his uh, college offense. And he came out and we didn't really hear anything about him all year because it turned out that Drew Locke can't throw a football to anybody. Um <laughs> in time or through a window or, you know, any any of the things where a Q, a NFL-ready QB needs to be able to throw a ball, it seems that Drew Locke didn't manage it. But then, like I say, they did they did get good picks in the draft, like ignoring the quarterback thing for now. Patrick Sertain, the second, is an absolutely phenomenal cornerback. This guy is a lockdown corner. He had some insane, like, stop like pass completion rate in college beyond 20 yards i think it was like six passes out of 35 were successful against this guy beyond 20 yards from the line of scrimmage or something this guy is really like the best lockdown corner in the draft and i'm sure there's a few people we know who will be quite happy at the fact that the broncos took certain one pick before the cowboys managed to take him who were <laughs> almost definitely going to take patrick certain i think we all had it we either had Sertain or Horn going to the Cowboys, but I don't think any of us had Sertain going to the Broncos, especially not when Justin Fields fell right to number nine and they could have taken Fields. And we yeah. all we were all of the belief that Broncos needed a quarterback and they, they passed on Fields uh, and went Sertain. So, I mean, it's it's he's going to be a great player. He's going to be with them for a while. I it's not a bad pick. It's just strange, I think, for a lot of Broncos fans. Um, they're picking round two. They moved up to get this guy, and I know this is one. This was one of Mark's guys that he mentioned, sort of towards the towards the time the draft was about to start. Javonta Williams, who, um, yeah, I mean, after you mentioned him, I went and watched his tape that day and was like, wow, yeah, this guy, this guy's athleticism is is really good. I think did they not have much of a season last year? Because of COVID, they, or I, yeah, I think something along those lines. But he he had he had a great year, and obviously we saw the departure of Philip Lindsay, who tweeted some like laughing faces when they drafted Javonta Williams because 
apparently Philip Lindsay thinks he's good. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I think that's another great pick. I mean, there's there's talk that he might take a bit of time to develop in the past game, but he did take he did catch passes at college. He wasn't he, he is potentially he can play that dual threat role. Um, but yeah, I mean, most players, you know, coming into the NFL probably do require a little bit of development. Um, but he's going to be ready in the run game straight away day one. Um, and he, he runs hard. He He's probably one of the most physical running backs in this draft um, after, what, Najee, maybe. Um, they continued their streak of getting really good value picks with um, Quinn is, Miners, is that how you pronounce it, I think, in the third round. Um, yeah. Solid guard, again, didn't play because of the because of the pandemic, but then showed up big time at the Pro Bowl. Like all week was said to be absolutely dominating, like did really, really well at the at that point. Like so whether he plays or plays a or is a depth piece, we'll see. But it's a, it's future, even if he doesn't play right away. Uh, you know, at some point this guy's probably probably gonna play. Um they snagged someone that I that you know you saw my mock drafts for the Lions. I picked this guy numerous times in the mock drafts. Um Jamar Johnson, the safety out of Indiana in round five as well, this guy fell to like that. Everyone wanted this guy on their mock drafts. Like he's one of the best safeties in the class. And it, I think I, I, he's definitely got potential. Um, it'll be interesting to see what he does um, with the Broncos. They had so many picks this year, though. They had like three seventh round picks. Um, they did quite well there. They got a couple defensive ends uh, edges at the end of the seventh round, which like Mark mentioned before, they already have, really good edge rushes. They've got a really good edge duo with um, Miller and Chubb, but this is some depth there, you know, to back those guys up. We saw Miller went out with an ankle injury last year, I think it was, and they missed him for quite a lot of the year. Um, but yeah, overall, on its own, really good draft. But then you come back to the Denver Broncos, and are there, are there still any question marks? And yeah, there's a really, really big question mark on this team. Like, we have already established that this is a pass-first division that relies on big-scoring offenses. And Drew Locke isn't the guy. And neither is Teddy Bridgewater, for that matter. Like, Because we know they've got him now as well. So, if the rumours are true, and they get Aaron Rodgers, Broncos next year are you know, fighting for the top of this division again. If they can't lock down someone better than Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater or one of them has an Lockdown. absolute standout season. Like I just I just don't I just don't see them doing much with it. Like he's just neither of them are good enough to do this to do this in this division. In this division, I don't think it's happening. But they expanded the defense. They got some good picks for stopping this pass first division, which is good, you know, if you're gonna pick a defense in round one, you want someone who can Lock down, uh, shut down people 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage because you're going to get a lot of deep balls. You're going to get a lot of big pass plays. And Sertain excels in those plays. So they've got a good defensive side of the ball. But there, there you go. That's that's how I feel about the Broncos. Yeah, the draft, they improved. This is what we look for in the draft. Did they improve? Yes. Did they get some value picks? Yes. Did Are they going to win this division now because of these picks? No, not until something else changes. That's my stance. Sorry, Broncos fans. I think that's a pretty good summary, to be honest. I, I think you know you look you look at that team, and I think we've we've certainly talked about it off air. Um, it's a team with a lot of pieces, a lot of good pieces. 
Defensively, they will always be good because they got Vic Fangio head coach. He knows how to build the defense, and they got some really good pieces. Some good, you know, two good pass rushes, as Mark said earlier. Some good corners. They've added Satan, who's a good player. You know, the the bit that's lacking for me is the obvious bit. I think we're all going to end up saying the same thing. They have no quarterback. They have everything else. We hear this all the time, like, oh, they're a quarterback away. It's been said about my team, you know, the 49ers, oh, they're a quarterback away. <laughs> we might be a quarterback away, but we're, we're definitely closer to it than the Broncos are because I would take Jimmy Garoppolo every day over Drew Lott. Do you think there's any sort of – I'm going to come to you, Mark, because you're saying irrational. No, I'm kidding. Um, I've, I, I've heard it said a few times that they need to give Drew Lock. A, like a final chance, almost like a last, you know, a last ditch effort because he lost most of last year with different things going on, you know, with COVID. He lost a few of his weapons here and there. I think he missed, well, he missed a few games himself because they started like the ninth string quarterback in one game. Is there any merit in that? Is there any merit in, in let's give Drew Lock one more go? What do you think, Mark? I think that, I think Drew Lock's been quite fortunate because he's living by John Elway's previous mistakes of trying to find a quarterback. So when John John Elway was a quarterback himself, you know what I mean? Uh, Stanford alumni, came to Denver Broncos, really was put that franchise on the map and won Super Bowls with them and everything and had a Hall of Fame career and was terrific and he was brought in as the general manager over CR, whatever you want to call of this team. And he, and he got Peyton Manning who fell on his lap at the end of his career you know, you know, and he won a Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And then it's all been about, you know, well, can we go back and get a second one? And arguably the thing that's prevented that has been a quarterback. You know what I mean? It's been finding a quarterback after Peyton Manning. And the throw, the throw picks at the draft, you know what I mean? And they had a first round bust and then they've come back around and they've kind of landed on Drew Locke. And I kind of understand it, you know, like um, Drew, Drew Locke himself has flashes where he looks very good. He's got the arm talent. He's got the athleticism. You know, like he's got the, what he hasn't got is it appears he hasn't got the brain of an NFL quarterback. You know, when we look at like our quarterback, Carr, you know what I mean? A Carr is a very, very intelligent quarterback. You know, he's very careful with the ball, but often he's, he doesn't put the ball where it can be intercepted. If you look at possible intercepted players, Carl won't put many on the table. That's a fact. You know what I mean? No. Mahomes is a bit more transcendental. He's got lots of interceptable players, but I think people just don't think he's going to make them throws, and that's why he catches so many off guard. But Drew Locke just hasn't got the... I think he needs to know when, when it's not there, just check down. I think he needs to know that the 20-yard bomb doesn't always have to be the play. Sometimes it's all right to drop it five yards to your running back. You know what I mean? And he's almost a little bit too aggressive and he needs to wise up a little bit and know that he's not playing for Missouri anymore. You know what I mean? He's, he's playing in the NFL. And, you know, like in, in, if, you, if you're putting the, if you're taking chances and just throwing it up there, in the NFL, you can have good players who are going to pick it off. It's not like college football, like, you know? Um, I do, I mean, like, look, listen, you said it, John, this roster is stacked. You know, like I honestly think that the best secondary in the NFL you know, they've got Darby, who's a very solid corner. They've got Kyle Fuller, who's a very, very solid corner, who's come across from the Bears this year. You know, they've drafted Sertan, you know, who's a, who's a football player's son and has been coached all his life and is entering the NFL very pro-ready in a position which is hard to make the transition from college 
to pros in. But he, I think he'll I think he'll be Champ Bailey. You know, 2.0, who was another famous um, Denver Broncos corner. Yeah. I think he's got that kind of Champ Bailey lockdown, multiple Pro Bowls, you know, like 10, 12-year career as a corner, you know. They've got they've got um, Justin Simmons, who's one of the best free safeties in the NFL. You know what I mean? Though the, 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 this this team is is really really very good. You know, like on offense, they've got three exciting wide receivers who are young Sutton, Sutton Judy, you know, um, and Hamler. You know, they've got a good young tight end in front. They've got two running backs in the backfield. They've got a decent offensive line in front of them. Got a Pro Bowl left tackle. What they're missing? No wonder people like Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson are saying <laughs> I would consider joining the Broncos because you put that type of talent in last team, and this team is 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 automatically not in odds off being the next Super Bowl champions. They've got everything around them, apart from a top ten quarterback. You put a top ten quarterback into this team, and everyone's going to start taking notice because they're stacked. Um, yeah. You know, good, good, good in a pass rush. This, they, they drafted a player who I was really high on. And if Andy or if any of the others are watching this show, they'll know that I mentioned this guy's name, you know, midway through the process. And I was like, it's one of my favorite linebackers. His name's Brandon Browning, who they drafted in the third round from Ohio. In Ohio, they played him inside linebacker. He was really athletic, a bit like Michael Parsons, had the same, similar kind of speed and athleticism, stuff like that. In his final season, they put him as an off-ball linebacker and they allowed him to rush the passer. And he did his best work there. Now, I think he might play, you know, I think he might rotate around Chubb and he might rotate around Von Miller. And we might see him rush the passer a little bit, play a little bit off-ball off linebacker. They've, took, they've thought of him highly because they've took him in the third round. But I really like the potential of that guy. And, and I, remember when the, um, I remember when the Broncos... Selected him, I was like, oh, balls. Because he is one, he was one of my mid-round guys, you know what I mean? And I'm pretty sure he's going to carve himself out a nice career as a bit of a pass rusher and a bit of a linebacker, off-ball linebacker. He's got that kind of playing space athleticism. Like, you know, he's not going to, he's not good if you can get, he's not good. It's not going to be, he's not going to be ripping up any trees, you know, like filling holes and coming downhill and that kind of stuff. But as a sideline, a sideline linebacker with the ability to rush the pass occasionally, I, I, I can really see him. I mean, I can really see fans who are enjoying a player like that. I yeah. can see him like a mid-round steal, which is a bit of a bummer. But yeah, he really ball. can cover sideline to sideline as yeah. well. Like that guy moves. Yeah. Javonta Williams. Sorry, Javonta Williams, which you mentioned, Bones. He's phenomenal. You know, UNC had two good running backs last year. Um, him and Carter. And they kind of split a lot of time. He wasn't so he's coming in rested, but he's just a phenomenal bulldozing tackle breaking. Powerful, fast, athletic running back. You know, like if it, you know, like if I if I don't think you should select running backs in round one, I definitely think you should stop looking at them round two, and certainly be picking them round threes and fours. And they took him at the top of round two, and I just think, you know, if it was a toss up between am I taking Najee Harris in round one or am I taking Javonta Williams in round two, I would probably took Javonta Williams in round two, you know, like in that kind of scenario yeah. and went for a pass rush or something like that in round one, you know, for or whatever whatever the other positions were there, you know. If we hadn't taken Swift last year, I'd have loved to see this guy get <laughs> like no, well, as soon as I watched his tape, I was like, This guy it's like it's the mentality he runs with. You can see it when he goes, like he's just 
he's willing to just hit people. Like it's the play that everyone's seen of him as well, isn't it? Where he makes the spin move, he makes the truck, and he just he just takes that shoulder inside dude and just ah oh, no, he looks fantastic. I do I do look forward to seeing him play. Yeah. I think he's I, the I, kind I, of guy that if you if you're struggling at quarterback, you need those explosive playmakers to turn those like five yard passes into fifteen yard passes. He he strikes me as one of those type of guys. I think they've got a few of those, which is perhaps one reason why they feel a bit more comfortable with Locke. Um I gotta say as well, it doesn't get said a lot, at least I don't think it does. I know they replaced technically they replaced Elway this offseason. They moved him up and they brought in uh, George Patton from the Vikings to basically run the draft and stuff. So maybe we'll see an improvement there. But Denver have had two goes in Elway's time at drafting a franchise quarterback, and they've come up with Paxton Lynch and uh, Drew Locke. So not, I, I'm surprised the quarterback or the caliber of Elway can't recognize another quarterback, but I think a lot of it is he sees his own image and he tries to draft players around that. If you look at the guys he's either brought in or drafted. They've all been big, tall, kind of strong-arm guys. And I think you see less of that across the NFL. You know, you think about some of the top, you know, younger QBs, Russell Wilson, Kyler Murray. You know, these are guys that are good athletes, but they're also not the tallest guys. Probably in years gone by, wouldn't have even been considered. I mean, Wilson went in the third round because the concern was that he was too small. You know, I think Elway's still kind of a little bit stuck in that mindset, so they've kind of struggled to find that QB. If there's a franchise they remind me of up until probably like last season, and this is where I'm going to bring Jamie in, I think they've got elements of the Buccaneers about them. They've got a lot of weapons. They've got a very good defense, an excellent pass rush. Just a quarterback away from that Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. I feel like they're a quarterback away. And I I don't know what you think, Jamie, but I feel like there's, there's a definite link there. It, it sort of occurred to me while while it was going on, but yeah, I think there is a definite link there. What, what do you think of the Broncos? Yeah, so I was thought I'd just look through some stats as the stat kind of guy as I am. And you want to talk about comparisons. Drew Locke last year had 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Who else does that remind you of? <laughs> there you go. Um, but again, he's only two years into the league. I mean... He could have a breakout moment. You don't know. Sometimes it just takes a little bit longer to uh, adapt to the league. Sometimes you need a little bit of an eye surgery uh, to to help a little bit. But but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think the um, I was just looking at the uh, the sacks as well because you said that they're basically like stacked around. Drew Locke was sacked nineteen times last season, which is one of the least in the league. If you're looking at other starters, there's only Big Ben and Drew Brees that are pretty much behind them. And then you've got a few other people like, um, who was it I was looking at? Uh, Jimmy G, but I don't think he started every game. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, who yeah. didn't start every game. So you're saying that the protection is there. If you've got somebody that can make these throws, make these plays, they could, they could be very dangerous. I know. Um, so if they do get Aaron Rodgers, for example, I know it's not going to, it's not going to work for the weight because AFC, as we've always said several times, is the more of the younger, the hotter, the quicker, the faster players. And the NFC is more like the old the old guard, the old style quarterback. So I don't know how I would fit into the AFC West, but I'd, I'd probably see more of a, maybe a Russell Wilson in there. Could you imagine what they'll be then? 
Only Jordan's here. <laughs> <laughs> As more of a scrambler like like most of these younger quarterbacks yeah. are, uh, I think Russell Wilson would be a sublime fit within the Denver Broncos. Whether he's going to lead the Seahawks, I doubt it. But as good as Aaron Rodgers would be, I mean, to be fair, he did lead the league in, in passing, didn't he? So, yeah. He's current MVP uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a- any team would basically improve by taking Aaron Rodgers, I'd say. I mean, yeah. there's very few teams that would be like, no, we don't want him. So, looking at, like I said, the Buccaneers, I mean, we took Brady, who's the oldest quarterback. Granted, he is the GOAT. Obviously, I'm going to say that. But he was anyway. And, and it worked. So, I mean, if you are the Broncos and you... I know they've just got Bridge. You said he's got Bridgewater and they've got Drew Lock. Why would you get another quarterback? I don't see why. Because neither unless, of those are good. Gonna, unless they're going to trade both of them for Aaron Rodgers as part of a trade package as well. <laughs> like I don't understand why you'd have two quarterbacks and then go for a third one. I, I understand Aaron Rodgers is better than both of them combined. Like if you had a game of Aaron Rodgers versus Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Lock, you're going to go with Aaron Rodgers, aren't you? On a two-on-one yeah. handicap match. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so the only way I can see them taking that would be like, well, Green Bay don't have a quarterback. Well, here, have two quarterbacks. Do what you want with them, too. Yeah, it's I, I, what I find what I find interesting, and certainly if I was if I was Denver, I would be thinking about this. How much better can you make that team with the draft picks that you've got and the capital that you've got? You would put it in a trade for a quarterback. In my mind, that that's the only bit I didn't get about the draft. Satan's a brilliant player. I know Green Bay are basically saying they won't trade him, but surely you'd at least ask the question, wouldn't you? You've got all the you've got all the capital. You've got a top ten pick to give up. I'm kind of surprised they didn't make a more aggressive effort. Obviously, we don't know how aggressive they were, but I, I kind of feel like they've just kind of they've kind of stood pat really at quarterback almost as if like yeah it'll be fine we'll be all right and it's a bit like yeah but they are that close you know and I don't know maybe Justin Fields could have gone in there but it's not the type of quarterback they seem to traditionally like and for rightly or wrongly there seems to have been some question marks over Fields I I don't don't really know why I think people probably looked at it a little bit too deeply but it's it's interesting. I thought they would have. I really thought they would have been more aggressive in going after a QB, and I think until they do that, we can't make a, a solid guess on how good they actually are. Maybe Drew Lock will surprise us. He probably only needs to be average to get him up a level, you know. But I, I think he's a, he's quite away from that at the moment. So you know, it's not the easiest thing. Do you know if it, 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 in the draft I thought that this was a team rather not for Justin Fields? I mean, although I would have been taking Justin Fields, but I thought you put Mac Jones in this team. Mm-hmm. You know, like because Mac throws a really good deep ball. He's really sensible with the ball. You know, he's a more of a point guard kind of. You know, like you know NFL quarterback where he'll just put it where it needs to be on time at the right time, and that's really all this offense needs. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't got the, the arm or the mentality. Drew, Drew Locke hasn't got the brain, although he's got some of the talent. Mac Jones would have been a nice little mixture of what they wanted, where somebody who can who can put the ball where it's meant to be put, on time and out of harm's way. And he has a really good deep ball if needed, even though he hasn't got the biggest arm strength. No, arm strength's really overrated in the NFL. You know, yeah. People talk about these quarterbacks who can hurl the ball 60 or 70 yards at velocity and stuff like that. 
But deep passes and stuff like that, the passes which win in the NFL game are them intermediate passes. Those passes which are between 15 and 30 yards, you know what I mean? Unless you're Mahomes, you know, like, and, you, and you're launching it downfield and you've got Tyree Kill underneath it, you know what I mean? Or Travis Kelsey knocking off double coverage with his strength and going up and snagging it. You know, he, what, what made Josh Allen good this year at the Bills wasn't the fact that he was connecting with deep balls, was the fact he was hitting Stefan Diggs regularly and immediately. And it's not, and, and people go on about arm talent and people who can launch the ball and all that stuff. Really, it's the intermediate passer who you want. It's the one who can be accurate at 15 to 30 yards. And that's what Mac Jones could have been for this team. And really, yeah. you know, we'll all say Fields, and I'll add Fields higher. But this could have been a team which Mac Jones could have went into, and I think they would have got better instantly because he just, he just, he just would do what he was told, and that's what Drew Locke doesn't do. Eddie Bridgewater's got a bit fiab about this game, whereas Mac mm. Jones would just do what they want him to do. Um, yeah, I mean Drew Locke has got the talent this year against. Uh, I think it was the Panthers. He, he scored four touchdowns. He threw four touchdowns in a game, but then he can come back. You know what I mean, though. And you can look some of his games, like you know, like against um, against us, the real as the first game where he threw four interceptions, and you're like, yeah. that's what it is with Drew Lock. It's either famine or feast. Yeah. In a position where if you're famine, you're gonna you're not gonna fucking have a winning record as a franchise. Your quarterback can't be famine or feast. He's got to be consistent. You know what I mean? Yeah, I find it. I think he suffers from. So... Sorry, Barnes, go on. I was just going to say, I think he suffers from a similar similar problem to we mentioned with Goff when we talked about the Lions, where when he doesn't have a clear, very open window to throw to, he makes the wrong read almost every time. It he'll, just throws to... he'll just go deep if he hasn't got the window. Yeah, he'll, he'll he just doesn't. Yeah, and it's nine times out of ten, like you say, those those aren't the ones winning games. Those are the easiest to intercept throws. Those are the easiest ones to get batted out of the way. Like... It, it's just the wrong reads every time. And like you say, Mac Jones would have been a good slot in because he, by all accounts, is a very intelligent football player. And that is what made him good in that Bama offense is he could turn around from that play action, read the defense, know where the ball needed to go and make the throw like as soon as it needed to be done. And Drew Locke doesn't have, like you say, he doesn't have that processing ability. He doesn't seem to have that quick read. Ah, there's what that is. There's what that is. Bam, ball gone. It, it's just not there, and they do need that. And I understand what Jamie was saying about um, Rogers. How does Rogers fit in? But I think again, the same questions were raised about Brady outside of the Patriots scheme. Or oh, can Brady throw to anything that's not a dink and dunk offense? Can he land a twenty-yard plus throw? And he came out and won a Super Bowl. So I don't think I'd count Rogers out just because he's in a different scheme. Um, but there's still the rumor out there they could get to Sean as well. Like all these rumors are still out there, especially as post June whatever trades where the contracts change and the the obligation is different on how much you have to pay a player and stuff like that. So I'm not saying that I'm not saying it's not going to happen at this point, but unless it, unless this move that we've all been talking about, either Rogers or Deshaun happens, yeah, I think they're going to struggle. Yeah, I've always found it interesting that Elway seems to be so into these big, tall, strong-arm guys because his big success, although he, he does have some of that profile too, his biggest successes were in Mike Shanahan's offense running the West Coast offense, which is all timing routes, relatively short and intermediate stuff. So I'm always a bit confused that he seems to be he seems to be drafted for like a 1980s NFL offense. I, I don't I don't really get it, but I think we've covered the Broncos quite well. We think they're a good team, just no QB. So... 
we'll move on we'll move on to possibly the opposite team it's my turn to step up uh and talk about the los angeles sorry los angeles charges <laughs> um, anyway john so you are mispronouncing well, the name right now. <laughs> yeah probably only offended fifteen thousand people as opposed to seventy five thousand. so it could be worse i suppose <laughs> the charges I, I asked for this team and i think a large part of that reason yeah you, you have to start we've just spent the best part of half an hour talking about no qb at denver well the charges are kind of the opposite to that. Justin Herbert was fantastic last season. Um, I am really excited to see what he can do moving forward. The Chargers are an interesting team. They've always had a good to great QB, it feels like. And now they're dropping Herbert in there. And it'd be interesting to see how, how that develops. The, there's some interesting stuff going on with the rest of the team, which I'll cover in a sec. But... I think the first thing you have to be optimistic about, and the thing that most NFL teams have trouble finding, is that franchise quarterback. And I think the Chargers may have theirs. So I'm pretty optimistic about that side of the Chargers. Um, in the draft, I thought they did a solid job as well. I think they had the best, you know, the best day one and day two, one of the best day ones and day twos of any team. Um, picking up with Sean Slater was a no-brainer when you look at their O-line. It makes a real difference to them. Whether he slides in at tackle or at guard, he's going to make them a better team. He's going to play day one, and he's going to give Justin Herbert even more protection. I think that's already a decent offensive line, but it's an injection of youth where he really needed it. And I think uh, he was quite he was quite high on most people's boards. I know he went. I know he moved around a bit. For some people he was in the middle of the round, which is kind of where he got took. And then for some people he was a bit later on. I think there's some doubts over whether he's a left tackle long term. Uh, he might be more of a right tackle, but ultimately, if they get some value out of him at any of the line positions, it's a it's a vital position to you know to have him in that. So I really like that pick. But I think the pick I like more was um, Asante Samuel Jr. When I started looking at the at the defensive backs, I don't see a lot there beyond Chris Harris I, and Derwin James. I'm a bit sort of lukewarm on their db room so i think they went out and got asante asante is an interesting player i don't know i mean it's a cliche to say he's like his dad but he is in a way in his style of play and also his size i don't know what i don't know what his position but it would be better in the slot whether he will be able to play boundary corner i think those are questions that he's got to answer but ultimately they're getting a movable piece and let's face it slots slot corners are starters in this league these days anyway so to me, they've picked up another day one starter there in the second round of the draft. Um, and even later on, you know, like it, it's a lot of speculative picks. I really like Chris Rumpf out of Duke as well. He was a guy that I had in the lower round stuff. I think he can I think he could do some damage on that D-line. They do need something there outside of Joey Bosa, especially with Melvin Ingram not there now. There isn't well, Linval Joseph is a decent player. Chris Covington isn't a bad player, but there's no sort of there's no bookend, I don't think, in in the same way that like obviously we talked about Denver with with Miller and Chubb and things like that. I think they're lacking a partner for him, and maybe they just. I think it's all right to just keep taking shots and trying to find it. And I think as long as they can get minimal production or decent production from the other side, whether it's with a group of people or you know or a single person, I think they'll be okay there. Uh, they went online again with um, the guy from Nebraska. Um, like him, you know, I think he's a I think he's a solid sort of guard type player. I think he'll fit in quite nicely. 
he's listed as a tackle, but I think they may move him inside. They do have a lot of tackles on the roster, actually. It'd be interesting to see how they pair that back down. Josh Palmer in the third round, that's just adding another weapon. I, I, like, I, I look at this team and the, the ingredients of that offense is has the potential to be quite explosive. We know how good Herbert is. They got Austin Eckler in the backfield. They got a couple of decent running backs. Justin Jackson isn't a bad player. But then at receiver, you're sticking out, you know, you're potentially going out with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. That is just that's one of the best receiver tandems for me, probably in the conference. You know, there are a lot of good receiver tandems in the AFC. The Chiefs have certainly got one. Um, you know, but I, I think what I'm seeing with this team probably more than anything is potential. I think it's too early to say, yeah, they're going to challenge the Chiefs. I think they'll do well, and I think they're a potential wildcard team. But there's a few things that give me a little pause. I already talked about the sort of lack of depth at edge. I think they still need another pass rusher there. DB, I think somebody's going to have to emerge at corner, probably on the boundary, to make them, especially in the division that they're in, to be you know to be as successful as they can be. My my larger concern, and it sounds a bit strange. Sorry, that was me. <laughs> I, I uh, it's not Damon Arnett's rap career, is it? Um, I um, my big concern with the Chargers is actually, although I agreed with them firing Anthony Lynn because he, he coached them out of like four or five games last year with some horrible clock management. I think it's one of those, you can't say the contenders because we know nothing about this coaching staff. And when I started looking at it, there's some talent there. But, like, but like if I look at who the, the head coach currently is, uh, Brandon Staley, who they brought in, I think he's a good coach, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. And he's been thrown in as a, you know, as a head coach very early on in his coaching career. He's only been a defensive coordinator for one year. I'm always a little bit wary when somebody's coming up that quickly, unless they're an absolute prodigy. But like, it doesn't feel that way. I can see why they've, I can sort of see why they've gone for him. But I worry that they've looked at that LA Rams defense and gone, "Well, look how good they were with him as a coordinator." But to be honest, I feel like anyone could coordinate that defense, and they'd be pretty good, especially with that D line. So I'm a little bit skeptical on the hire. I think they had to settle for somebody as well. I think they wanted Arthur Smith, honestly, and didn't get him. Um, and I think he was, you know, he's probably a solid second, but I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily sold on, on him as a candidate. I was actually surprised when he got the job. He felt like one of those guys that would get an interview because he had a good year, but it, the, most teams would consider it a year too early. So I'm a little bit, I'm a bit fifty-fifty on that. Listen, you can never tell until they actually start coaching again. That's that's the, you know, that's the key thing to remember. We can't say. For definite how good or bad they're going to be and to be honest his clock management can't be as bad as Anthony Lynn's so you know it, it can't be that bad can it well we'll see how it goes but my my further concern was developing obviously developing Herbert further Staley is a defensive minded coach my uh, my concern there really is your offensive coaching staff in that scenario has to be really really strong and I look at it and I'm not I'm not blown away. Joe Lombardi, which is a name you might know, Bones, he was your OC a couple of years ago. I don't recall him being particularly well thought of in Detroit. I could be wrong. I mean, I, I'm struggling to think anybody that is well thought of in Detroit. But... How, I was going to say, how many Detroit ex-coaches do you know that are well thought of? <laughs> but Lombardi, I mean, Lombardi's been around the league. You know, he's been at the Saints for, well, 
other than his stint at the Lions, he's been a quarterbacks coach at the Saints for it looks like basically a decade. You know, I know I know he's part of that Sean Payton tree, and I was quite effusive in my praise of Sean Payton last week, but I do wonder about that. I do wonder if he can get I think regardless, they're gonna be all right on offense. They've enough weapons to get away with it, but I do wonder how far he can take them. I'm a bit skeptical on that higher. It just feels it feels a very inexperienced coaching staff. And listen, that's not a bad thing. That one of the most experienced coaches in the NFL is Jeff Fisher, and I wouldn't want him running the charges either. But I, I I just if they're gonna be contenders, I don't think it's gonna be this year. I think they'll take a step forward. And I think they might actually upset the apple cart in a few of the division games, but I'm not, I'm not overly wowed by them at the moment. It'll be interesting to see how, how it all shakes out. I think if they if they make a hot start, I think they'll be okay. But right now, I think they're probably a year away from being genuine division contenders. But I do feel like they're set up to potentially take that division over. Obviously, while Mahomes is there, it's going to be difficult. But I think. It could lead to some interesting battles in a couple of years because they they aren't far away either. They're not a quarterback away. They're probably depth away from being a good team. But I think that's the case for quite a few teams. It's just who steps up in the season. But yeah, I'm pretty on, on the whole. I'm pretty happy with what they've done. Um, you know, over the off season, I think they've they've managed to put pieces around the quarterback, which is a massively underappreciated thing. You know, we, we, we bag on quarterbacks all the time, it feels like, especially younger quarterbacks. But you have to give them the opportunity to succeed. And I think there are some teams that haven't done that very well. I think the Chargers have done just about everything they can now. And to be honest, Herbert has already proved them right. So it'd be interesting to see how they go, but I don't think they're quite there yet. I don't know what you guys make of them. Uh, I'll go to you first, Bones. What do you think of the Chargers? I think... I think there were some points you made there that bang on. Like they've got a good wide receiver duo. They've got a really good breakout quarterback. They've they've got Joey Bosa as defensive end. Maybe they've not got enough depth at the, that position. But I, I just I look at the, the problem is I look at the depth chart and I'm like, but that's about it. Like, <laughs> all right, Austin Eckler's an all right. Like he's not a bad running back, but the dude's thirty. Like let's not forget he's 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 to closer to the end of his career than he is the start of it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Justin Jackson, the young backup running back, has not has not had any standout performances as a player. Like I was looking at it before he finished 2019 with twenty nine carries for two hundred yards. He went out into injured reserve in week nine last year. His first year on the team, he barely played. He had an all right year, but. He it, it just, he's not, he's not been a big splash. And again, tight end, Jared Cook, who's he not played for at this point? Jared <laughs> Cook, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, none of these players, like at the other skill positions, are, are screaming like, this is an amazing player when I read through them. Like, I think Asante Samuel Jr. is a defensive skill position. is going to be a great pickup. And I think it won't be long before he's probably starting in that defense. Like, I, I think... Yeah, like you say, they've got a couple of good wide receivers, but that's about it. They did dedicate a lot of draft capital this year to um, to the to the offensive line, didn't they, as well, which is always good to see, especially when you've got, like you say, that young quarterback who's just had a great year. Invest some capital into bringing in the offensive line. Keep that stocked up because you're going to need it. Like, But, yeah, outside of that, I look at the team and, I don't know, there's just... 
there's some good players here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're all bad, but like there's, there's some that I just like. I just don't. There's not. There's nothing there. There is no tight end. Like the the running backs are okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and they've got Chase Daniel as a backup, who's uh, <laughs> backup, backup quarterback who came Chris. from Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I think you're right. I think that... if Justin Herbert goes down, what have they got? Yeah, you're right. I think, and that's well, it. To quote that old uh, that old statement from, I think it was when Manning was at the Colts, and somebody asked the offensive coordinator, "What do you do if Manning gets injured?" And uh, he says, "Well, he says uh, if Manning goes down, we're fucked, and we don't practice fucked." So I, th- I think that's probably the Chargers' view on it as well. It's kind of like he is the franchise now; they're, they're going to go with him. Moving. But I agree. I think there's a. I think there is a lack of depth. There's no standout players as such, apart from Bosa, probably, you know, um, and the receivers, I think it will take... But then again, they, they weren't bad last year, even with roughly the same roster. If you think coaching is responsible for them losing three, four games, you know, if they can get a net game there, they, they might do better this year. I think the only thing is, I don't think when it comes down to it, we, we've said this a few times on the podcast now, the divisions are decided by the the interdivision games, and I think if you, in my mind they're potentially second in this division. In order to become first in this division, they would have to beat the Chiefs twice, and I just I'm not seeing that in this team right now. They're not they're not quite there. Mark, I know you were a fan of uh, Asante Samuels. Is there anything else you like about the Chargers apart from Herbert, obviously? Um, yeah, I, I like this team. You know, like this is this is. This gives me a little bit of an advantage, obviously, talking about the team who's in my division, because obviously you were talking about what have they got behind Joey Bosa. And they moved off Melvin Ingram this year. And one of the reasons why they moved off Nelson, uh, of, of Melvin Ingram is because they've got a guy called Uchenna Nwosu. Now, Uchenna Nwosu had a very solid PFF grade. That's why that video came up, because I was loading it up. And, of course, I had a video overlay for an advert. I hate it when that happens when you look on websites, you know, and, like, a video pops up trying to sell tin beans or something like that. But his, um, his PFF pass grade was over 70, which is good. You know what I mean? He had five sacks in the season as a spot player, you know, like as a as a, as a relief pass rusher, I suppose. And they've obviously looked at that and thought, well, they've seen enough in him to let Melvin Ingram go and think, let's put him in a starting role. You know, I think they drafted him in the second round out of USC at the time or something like that. So he was well thought of and they've got him there ready to come in and they want to see him in a more prominent role. But he, he got five sacks last year as a spot player and graded out well on PFF. The player who I did like the pickup of, obviously Slater was complete all five positions. I'm not going to look at him. But I'm going to talk about Josh Palmer. Josh Palmer was a really very good a very good wide receiver at um, Tennessee. The problem with Tennessee is, is they had nobody who could get him the ball. They had nobody who could, who could make who could get the ball to him and make use of his skill set. You know, his average uh, depth of target was one of the highest in the country. It was over 16 yards, you know, but they just didn't have a quarterback who could make use of his skill set. But he graded out very well against Patrick Satan, you know, like who, who, who we've just been talking about. He was one of those wide receivers who actually did well against Satan and scored a touchdown on him and looked really good. He's one of them who, a bit like Terry McLaurin, you know, like who came in, who I think was, is going to have a far better um, pro career than he did college career. I'm not going to say he's going to do a year one, but he's a really interesting tool that they've got here. Like Keenan Allen is tremendous. 
perennially under underrated. He's just brilliant. Uh, Mike Williams can be famine or feast. And I think if you put someone like and, and Jared Cook, Jared Cook is very steady. He's a good player. You know, he's he he he, he does what he does, and he's good in the red zone, and he can keep the chains moving and that kind of stuff. But Josh Palmer has got the opportunity, I, I suppose, to challenge Mike Williams for a spot. Um, and, and I really thought that was a that was a pretty excellent pickup, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, they've, they've rebuilt their offensive line, is what they've done. And it seems like they do this all the time. They're constantly trying to have a look at an offensive line. You know, they did this before a few years back in the draft. Um, you know, they've had Forest Lamb, they've thrown picks at things and stuff like that. And, and what they've kind of got now is I would say they've got potentially three very good pieces on their offensive line. They've got a right tackle in Belaga. They've got a left tackle in Slater. That's where he finds himself. They've got Corey Lindsay at centre. So they've got a pivot and they've got two bookends, you know, if, if, if they fit and if they play. They're a little bit of an unknown quality of guard, but they have got a, an upgrade on the offensive line. Justin Herbert's just tremendous. You know, just <laughs> tremendous. You know, he, he missed the game last season, so he only played 15 games last year, but he, he threw for over 4,300 yards, 31 touchdowns. He had an offensive line that was just crumbling around him, but yet he only threw for 10 interceptions. He run for a further five touchdowns. And he was offensive rookie of the year. You know what I mean? The, the, the kid done so well, especially when you consider he lost his first four games. He lost yeah. his first four games, but they weren't on him. For example, they lost against New Orleans and the kids scored, the, kid, the kids threw four touchdowns that game. They lost against Joe Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Jamie, and he, and he threw three touchdowns that game. You know, like he was, he was, he was excellent. He was excellent. He was such, he was better than anybody anticipated, I think. And what he was really good at is he showed just how good he was at making decisions with either his legs or his arm against against the Cumberland putting under pressure. Um, you know, like it's one of them now. Like you know, like you've arguably you've arguably got two really young quarterbacks playing in the same division. You know, like and and, and Herbert. You know, you've got the MVP, you've got perennial MVP. In Patrick Mahomes, and you've just got offensive rookie of the year, you know, and, and this team's about what can they do for Herbert now, and I think I think he's got a decent chance this year, um, because he even the games that are lost last year, you know, I mean if you take the New England game out of it where they got blown out altogether, they lost a lot of games by one score, you know, when they were in the game, you know, there was a lot of New Orleans where they got beat 30-27, Tampa Bay where they got beat 38, 30, uh, 31. You know, Kansas, where they got beat 23-20. Vegas, you know what I mean? Uh, where it was 31-26. Miami, where it was 21-29. You, you know what I mean? Uh, there's a lot of one-score games that they were losing by. And if they can move the needle and win more of those games, I think these this this is a team that is a, that is a dark horse. Because I think Justin Herbert is that good, you know? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a really good point you just made about the one-score losses, because some of that is coaching, which they're going to hope they've resolved. But also, like, some of the time when you see a young team coming up, the year before they hit, hit it big, they lose games like that, and they lose by, like, a score. They lose, you know, they're unlucky to lose games, and they learn how to get out of those situations with, with wins. Some of that is coaching. Some of that is, like, experience as well. So, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, you know, 
and I feel like I do this with almost every team, but I can sort of bring it back to um, the year before our Super Bowl run. We didn't win many games, but we were in a lot of games. And you're sitting there thinking, if there was just a finisher on this team, just somebody that could get us over the line, we could really do something. The following year, we get you know, we get Nick Bosa and suddenly we look a different team. I think the Chargers are in that boat now where it's kind of like, if a few players could just step up, get a little bit more experience, those those losses turn into wins and suddenly your record looks a lot better. What about you, Jamie? What about you? What what, what are you thinking of the Chargers? I know you like Herbert, I think. I feel pretty confident I've heard you say that before. But what are we thinking about the Chargers otherwise? I was literally going to say half of the stuff that Mark said, like <laughs> offensive rookie of the year um, and some of those stats that he was talking about as well. He was one of the only ones that threw for over 4,000 yards. He was a top, I think, top six quarterback in regards to yards. Um, and he was fourth yards per game on average behind Brady, Mahomes and Watson. So, I mean, it's not bad for it. That's why, obviously, he was rookie of the year. And... He only played 15 games. He didn't miss one game. Yeah. Imagine if he did that 16th game as well. <laughs> I mean, those stats would have been even bigger as well. And he only threw 10 interceptions, which, again, isn't bad, which is why he did win Rookie of the Year. I mean, would you say if he was in the Broncos team, I think <laughs> they would be. Would they be? incredible you read my mind i was gonna ask that question well. <laughs> I, think, I think you're probably right i think they would it's it's that thing isn't it and the strange thing is herbert wasn't that highly rated by a lot of people he got took quite early by the charges and i remember a lot of people ragging on the pick a hell of a lot some people said it was the worst pick in the first round shows what some draft experts know doesn't it <laughs> But no, I think that it's definitely an exciting time. They've only been to the Super Bowl once, I believe, uh, back in the San Diego days, losing to the, Fran the San Francisco. Yeah, 1995. And that's their only appearance in the Super Bowl. Um, I think they've, they've only won one AFC Championship game, obviously, going into that Super Bowl then. So they're not a team that generally makes or does well in the playoffs. So. I think with Justin Herbert, they definitely have a chance, but they aren't going to win the division when the Chiefs are the Chiefs at this moment in time. So it's great being Justin Herbert and being where you are now, but you still have to face the Chiefs twice a year. And then you have to rely on... I mean, look at last season. The Dolphins were 11-5 and and still didn't make the playoffs. You're guaranteed two losses if you play the Chiefs, which means you can't lose three other games in the other 14, 13 games that you play. Mm. It does make it very difficult. Uh, I guess that brings us on to you then, because that's where we're going next. We're going to uh, we're going to you, and we're going to Kansas City. So I'm guessing you think they're winning the division. I don't think it's too hard to make a case for this team. But go on, what have you got for us? Let me just put this back on. There we Off go. The cap, <laughs> right. So they didn't win the they didn't win the Super Bowl this year, uh, but they did reach it back to back. I mean, back to back Super Bowl appearances is still impressive nowadays. Anyway. Uh, you think recent years, obviously you think the Patriots or I think back in, I think Seattle did it earlier on within the decade as well. It doesn't happen a lot. Uh, and the Chiefs are are the best team in the NFL. Like it, It's a fact. I mean, I, I would say the Buccaneers, but <laughs> the, Chiefs are, the Chiefs are phenomenal. I mean, they had the best record within the season. They lost two games. 
granted one of them was against the Chargers, but did not none of their starters played. And the only other game that they lost was to the Raiders early on in the season. So, <laughs> Boy, is that a weird thing to say out loud as well. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they did lose two divisional games. Um, one against the Raiders to go like four and one, and then the last game of the season against the Chargers. But it was a bit of a, a weird one because, like I said, Mahomes and the Chiefs got annihilated by the Bucks in the Super Bowl and then decided to get rid of half of their O-line in the off-season. Uh, because of that, like I said, they got rid of, um, who was it? Um, I can't remember his name. Christian Mitchell Swartz they, they got yeah. rid of. Yeah, and then they got in Fingy from the Patriots. Pardon? They got in Orlando Brown from Baltimore and Joe Tooney, didn't they? Yeah, and Joe Tooney. And I was about to say, yeah, from, from the Ravens as well, because they traded their draft pick away from it as well. They only had six picks this draft, six picks across the whole of the draft. And again, they do have stacked team and they have done pretty good in the free agency. But if we're looking um, at the draft of who they picked up, uh, they got Nick Bolton from Missouri in the second round. Um, they got Creed Humphrey um, in, also in the second round. And then Joshua Kando, Noah Gray, Cornell Powell and Trey Smith. Uh, no seventh round pick, no third round pick. So they traded a lot away their picks, maybe for for the draft for free agency capital or whatever, but their team is stacked. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, you know what he can do with the ball, and he's he's young. He's there for ten years. He signed a ten year contract, didn't he? So you know he ain't going anywhere. The only thing I'm hopeful for 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 everybody else in this division is the way that the Buccaneers played against the Chiefs. Hopefully, that's a way that they can use that to try and stop Mahomes and be like, okay, this is how we play play against Mahomes. Let's go after him. Let's get him. But he's a wriggly little fucker, isn't he? So I mean, you say you say that it's it's easier said than done, but sometimes it might not work. But the main thing that they wanted to do was get a new O line. They've done that. Would you say it's stronger? Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> so. So they've got a stronger O line now to protect Mahomes. You give Mahomes more time on the ball. That's only going to be a very dangerous thing in the NFL. They, like I said, they lost two games last season. One of them was a throwaway game. Could I possibly see them going sixteen and 17 and zero? Sorry, there is a seventeenth game. <laughs> I could possibly see them doing that because they are a ridiculous, a ridiculous team. And the only reason they lost their games. One was a throwaway, and I think the Raiders won. I can't remember. I know Mark would probably remember that one very, very dearly. But um, yeah, I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. But you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> it's a frightening one for me, honestly, with the Chiefs. That you know they've been to one Super Bowl and won it. They've been to another Super Bowl and basically were blitzed out of it by the you know, by the defense. Um, but knowing that they've kind of turned tail and gone right here's our weakness that's where we're going to spend the money they get another team that's taking advantage of this elastic salary cap that most teams seem capable mm -hmm. of finding 
and somehow I found the money to pay Orlando Brown, Joe Tooney, and a few others, and keep most of their pieces in the process. I don't see a weakness on this team. I really, really don't. I think they have one of the best off-seasons of teams in the NFL. It, it's a scary thought. Mark, I know you were pretty big on their off-season and certainly their draft. Um, are you are you seeing any weaknesses on this Chiefs team at all? Well, I mean, they lost, they lost Sammy Watkins. You know, like, and I know he didn't have the statistics to pull up there, but he was a very solid number two to Tyreek Hill. And it's really like how can Mikael Hardman step in that role? But God, talk about speed in your two wide receiver positions. You know, you got Hill, who's a cheetah, and you got Hardman, who must be a Jaguar if that's the case. Like, you know, they're fast. <laughs> I, I love what they did on their offensive line. You know, the the, the need, the saw what the saw what happened at the Super Bowl, and they went right. Okay, we need to get better on the offensive line. They got all the traded for Orlando Brown. They had a really good season in Baltimore left when Staley went down and was doing really well at right tackle previous to that. They made him their starting left tackle. They went out and they got Joe Tooney in free agency. Kyle Long come back from retirement. Mike Remas is a very definition of solid and average, but that's all you need in a right tackle position. And they went and drafted Creed Humphrey, who for many was the, pro, was the most pro-ready centre in the draft, you know, who came out of Oklahoma. Um. So the, the offensive line is going to be new, but on paper and on all intents and purposes, it looks really good. They've got Travis Kelsey, who's many people would argue the best tight end in the NFL. I think both my group of fans and your group of fans, John, would argue against that. But Travis Kelsey was brilliant, you know, put up wide receiver statistics at tight end. Um, you know, their defense, they've got Chris Jones, who's really very, very, very good. If it wasn't for Arnold Donald, We'd be talking about Chris Jones as being the best defensive tackle in the NFL. They went and got Jaron Reed from Jordan's team, Seattle, put alongside him. They've got Frank Clark, who just got arrested in his Lambo with an Uzi, oddly. <laughs> but seems to turn it on when games matter most, which is in the playoffs. Although he has been a bit disappointing there, truth be told. They've got two good corners in Ward and Sneed. They've got Tyron Matthew at the back, you know what I mean? They've got Juwan Thornhill. And then they added Nick Bolton into it. And I really like what they did with their, with their two round two picks of Creed Humphrey and Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton is a really, really good player. He excels in coming downhill. He'll play middle line back for them. He's a tone setter. I kind of like them for the Raiders. I really honestly like them for the Raiders. Um, he's one of my favourite evaluations in the draft. Just because he, he, he just ignites a whole defence with his infectious kind of play. He clearly loves contact. You know what I mean? He's, and he's got enough to be able to hold up and pass protection. Uh, sorry, but hold up and pass in game. You know, see, so he's going to be a middle linebacker, but you're not going to line him up against tight ends, but he's going to be able to do enough to be able to break up passes in the flats. You know what I mean? He's just very instinctive and gets around the ball and loves putting his helmet in somebody else's chest plate. And he's and he's just a tone setter. And I think, and I like what they did in those two, in those two positions, getting Creed Humphrey and um, Nick Bolton. You know, I don't really think there's a weakness on this team. I really don't think there's a weakness on this team. But three infectious linebackers in Hitchens and Willie Gay in uh, Bolton. They've got good secondary. You know, they, they have. Many would say, "Well, who's their number two wide receiver?" But do you really need a number two wide receiver when you've got somebody like Travis Kelsey? You know, who can make a thousand yards and Tyreek Hill. You know, who's, who's arguably the best wide receiver in the game. 
Um, certainly the, the, the best big play wide receiver in the game. You know, you've got Clyde Edwards allowed to catch the ball out the backfield. They're going to take some stop in this team. They, they really are going to take some stopping. And, um, you know, many people will have Tampa coming back strong. But I think that, I think that Kansas have looked at what, the, what lost them that Super Bowl and they've went, okay, it was offensive line. Let's build one and they've built one in a season. There's a lot of new parts on it. Maybe we can point to that. Maybe if there's a saving grace, you can go, well, there's a lot of new parts on that offensive line. You've got a new left tackle. You've got a new left guard. You've got a new centre. You've got a right guard who's coming back from retirement. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fresh parts on there. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it looks much better on paper. And there's a lot for the league to be scared about, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that's actually a good point. If you are looking for some comfort, if you happen to support a team in that division or you know, your arrival of the Chiefs, it's not necessarily a given that all these new arrivals will be perfect. You know, it is some turnover, and Andy Reid's system can take some time to get you know to get used to, especially if you've not played in it before. So there is some, but I, I find it really hard to find a find a gap in this team. What about you, Bounds? You're normally good at picking a picking a hole in the team. You can find one in this team for us. It's, it's hard, isn't it? I agree with what you what you've been saying. You know what I'm saying. When we were talking about the Chargers, I was like, yeah, there's a couple of names that you jump out at you as good players, but there's not that many. This this is the opposite team. This is the team <laughs> that goes completely against everything I said about the Chargers. You look through this list of players and you're like, where isn't a good like starting player? Like, Which position do, isn't filled by a good starting player? Like, Mark touched on a few of the ones that I was going to mention. Like, Obviously, I was looking at linebackers this year because I'm always... Tavai <laughs> sucks. Like... I just want someone better. Like Bolton, I looked at Bolton. Bolton, like Bolton hits. Like like Mark said, this guy hits people. Like, and he looks like a really good running, like a really good linebacker. And I am excited to see him play. It's a shame he's gone somewhere else. But I mean, they needed it, didn't they? They lost Damian Wilson in free agency, who was one of their like he had one of more reps for them than quite a few of the other linebackers. They needed someone to come in and replace that. Like so, yeah. Like like we said, um, I mean. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Mark mentioned him again, but I mean, this guy, we were talking about him for Offensive Rookie of the Year the first few games of the year, and then he went down to an injury, played a bit less because they signed like eight different running backs, but those first couple games of the year, like that guy was in, was being talked about as like potentially winning Offensive Rookie of the Year as a running back, which is always like quite impressive to do. So, you know, he's clearly going to be good. Like, I don't think he is one to be slept on. Um like say Travis Kelsey, one of the arguably one of the best tight ends in the league, up there with you know, like you mentioned, your Wallers, your your Kittles. Um, the, the, I get what you're saying about the offensive line. You know, it is in a lot of new pieces, but in a way, it's in a way they're not new pieces because they've all played the game before. Like it's not like they're just coming in from college and it's the first time in the NFL. Like these are all veteran players that are just coming into a new system, which. I think for some of the for some of the more skilled positions, it's probably harder to adapt. But your offensive line, it's it's probably a bit easier to adapt than it is to say learn a whole new route tree for a wide receiver or yeah. a whole new playbook for a quarterback. You, your offensive line, you know what you're going in there for. So I I hope that it's not too, like it's really hard to pick a hole. Like you know, we saw they've got Lejarius Sneed did well at the end of the year last year as well. Mm-hmm. They're called he was a rookie cornerback last year who did quite well towards the end of the season. So he's 
as we've said before, cornerback quite hard to adapt to. And we saw it towards the end of the season. So he's probably going to come in and do reasonably well again this year, one would imagine. So, yeah, elastic salary cap, great all-star lineup. What what more could you ask for? I think the Chiefs are going to be in the Super Bowl again. Like, I think uh, the only thing I can possibly pick at, I was just going through the results from last season, there was only three games last season that they played in that wasn't a maximum of two scores everything else was either a one score or two score game yeah you're right they were in a lot of close games personally i think the browns should have beaten them in the playoffs they threw it away i thought they were in a good position didn't take advantage possibly lack of experience i think people underestimate how hard it is to get back to the super bowl as well to have done it two years on the run is incredible to do it three years on the run would be unprecedented um it's only really patriots that's done that isn't it yeah it's not a, it's not a it's not something that's very common and i do sort of it's hard to keep getting that mentality right to do that every year so if there's one thing i would say it's nothing tangible but it's just it is really difficult to keep doing that i think if any team can do it it's probably this team but it's just something to bear in mind i mean you talk about burnout and stuff i know we're gonna talk a little bit about 14 hour soccer it's like you talk about Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool. They were the best team, arguably, in the Premier League two years. And then the third year, this coming year, they finished dropped third off. and dropped yeah. off completely. So yeah. hopefully the Chiefs will. I mean, I don't want them to win it all, but, you know, <laughs> hopefully there is a little bit of a drop-off. And Yeah. Because so, this is one thing we love about NFL. Like, there's always different teams in the Super Bowl. There's usually a different winner most seasons, if you don't count the, the, the Patriots era. But so... Who knows? Top level sport is hard, and even like the Patriots era, they weren't there every year. You know, like it, it was, it was fairly regular. But there were years where they got knocked out in the playoffs when they were favourites. You know, it does happen. And you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's definite, but it's certainly possible. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty obviously got them as uh, as division winners, but. Uh, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they mentally it's tough to keep doing that every year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do it again. Right, I don't want to delay this any longer. I think everybody's been waiting for this. I think Is it the main event. Might, we might as well all turn our cameras off. And yeah, it's now time for the Royal Rumble. Uh, but it's yeah. a Let's get Rumble. ready to. But that's trademark, <laughs> so don't say the rest of it. <laughs> we are sending. Yeah, that's right. We'd have to pay Michael Buffer like a million dollars or something. Um, so. Finally, we're going to Mark. <laughs> oh, my God. Hang on to your hats, everybody. He's going to talk the Las Vegas Raiders. I still can't get used to that. Go on, Mark. What do we have? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that this is going to be some sort of therapy for us because, God, you know, I'm, 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 I'm finding myself listening to, listening to podcasts already and already getting carried away by our, you know, training campers and rookies that are going to be amazing. And Nate Hobbs is doing great. And, you know, like, and look, this franchise for me is just fucking frustrating. You know, just frustrating. When we're going into the, we're going into, you know, like the fifth year of John Gruden. Um, and I would argue that this roster is got less talent on it today than the day he took it over. You know, we traded away Khalil Mack and we're still looking to replace the player who we traded away. You know, like, we, we had this Pro Bowl, future Hall of Fame, all pro, amazing player. 
you know, and for one reason or another, people will say Gruden was wanting to make his mark on the dressing room straight away. Other people were saying Mac didn't want to stay. Yeah, good franchise don't let good players leave their building. That's the top and bottom of it. We made a decision to trade him. And at this moment in time, what we brought back just doesn't look like it was worth it. You know, we've had a lot of draft picks in that first round, and we talk about the draft being a bit of a crapshoot. But what you do want to see out of your first round is you want to see players that hit a second contract. And at the very least, you want to see players who get their fifth-year option picked up. You know, we took Clay Ferrell with the fourth pick a few years back. And it's not that Clay Ferrell's a bad player. It was that there was a rubbish place to pick him. You know, we talk about that fifth-round option. And Clay Ferrell came into the NFL, and people knew what he was. He played on a very good Clemson team. They had a lot of first-rounders along the line with him. You know, he, he, he came into the NFL stiff. He's never going to be a bend kind of player, but he was really good with his hands, and he was really good in the run game, and he was always going to be a... You know, most people said he's going to be a 68-sack guy. And that's fine if you're picking him, you know, like the back end of round one. But we took him number four, John. You know what I mean? Yeah. Four. And when I say this is the impact that that has, the fifth-year option for a player took number four is around about 11, 12 million pounds for that final year. Are we going to give Clee Fowler that in a fifth-year option? The chances are the best thing we can hope because the best thing we can hope for is that now year three he has a jump and he projects higher than what anybody thought it was going to be and gets double digits of sacks, which I don't really think we expect them to get because if we did, why did we get Yannick and Gokwe? I think what we see, I think what we're thinking is we're thinking he can kick inside on some downs, he can play outside in base, you know, he'll be good against the run, you know, and he'll and he'll bring sixty-eight sacks. I'm not going to pay 11 million pounds for that, and I'm not going to pick a number four. You know what I mean? No, that's it's not the players we've taken; it's where we've taken them. You know, it's it's we've done it again this year. You know, with Alex Leatherwood. Let me get this right: Alex Leatherwood is not a bad player. He's not a bad player. Played in Bama, played on championship teams. Really good run defender. What he is, he was a senior in the best college team in college football. He was a senior in a team which has got as many good coaches as the NFL, which means what's his ceiling? Is he going to get any better? And what was the sort of guy who excelled in bush, you know, like blocking, you know, run blocking, but struggled in pass blocking? You saw him against players like Ujilari who had speed and stuff like that, and he struggled mightily in pass protection. Guess what we've got in this division? Really good <laughs> pass rushers. You know what I mean, though? And it's like, I do think he'll hold up in the run game. And I think, you know, like, we'll see a lot of, you know, like um, Josh Jacobs or Kenyon Drake running behind him and on the right-hand side of the line. But it, it was too high to take him. It was too high to take him. You know, you had somebody like Darisol there who was who let up six pressures all year. You know what I mean? Across across his across his college career, um, you know, like who, who was really good in the run game and really good in the pass game, and for all intents and purposes, anyone could have seen that that would have been the better pick. But for some absurd decision, we decided to go with Leatherwood. And like I said, it's not that Leatherwood's a bad player; it's that we took him in the top twenty. I'm yeah. sure he's going to play the clip. 
you know, like, <laughs> which, which, which just shows my reaction. But the Raiders are just trying to be clever and it's not fucking working. You know, like, like oh, we'll take Cleve Farrell because that's where we rated him. And it's like, at some point you've got to go, you've got to, you've got to go, all the experts wrong. All the other franchises wrong. Is everybody else who's looking at this wrong? Because if you're right, show us, prove us you're right. Because all it's proven us is that it's wrong. It's a wrong strategy to have. You know, Damon Ornette was taken in the top 20 last year. In the top 20. In the top... I'm going to say that three, three or four times because I still can't believe he was taken there. In my view, if you're taken in the top 20, you've got to have a pro ball kind of ceiling. Yeah. Damon Ornette doesn't test well. He's not young. He played in a division where he wasn't even the best corner on his college team. Some would argue he was the third best corner that year behind Sean Wade, who played in the nickel, and Akuda, who played outside. People will say, well, he looked good. Of course he's going to look good. He's in the Big Ten. The only wide receiver I've known last year was Quinton Cephas. You know what I mean? Who was chosen by your Lions in about the fifth or sixth round. You know what I mean, Bones? The Big Ten's not known for wide receiver talent. He's marking the number two wide receiver on most teams in a division which isn't known for wide receiver talent. He's 24 years old before he's made his first NFL game. Didn't test well. We've had a year of him. We're bought in Harewood, and he's already took his place. It looked like Damon Arnett's now an afterthought. And you're just thinking, that's a coach's pick. He's a coach's pick. Because no scout is banging the table for Damon Arnett. Because there's no game film to get behind. And there's no testing numbers to get behind. By all reports, he's an attitude kind of player or something like that. But yet he's off making map records and not getting into the football playbook to the point where he's in his second year and he's lost his position. And it just looks like a terrible pick. So you've got Clint Ferrell, who's probably not going to see his fifth-year option. And you've got Damon Ornett, who at this point looks a massive bust. I'm not writing him off all the carrots very early in his career, but look, let's, let's not... Let's not expect miracles, you know? You've got Jonathan Abram, who was a strong safety. Is he going to get his fifth-year contract? Is he going to see a second contract? You've got Josh Jacobs, who was a running back, and a very good one, me I had. But really, do you want to sign a running back beyond five years? And it just seems like, what are they doing in the first round? They do all right later on. I like some of their late-round picks up. They've made, you know, Hunter Renfro, um, Brian Edwards, Max Crosby. It seems that, and that's probably Mike Neok's work, but it seems that the first round goes to John Gruden and his coaches. And then beyond that, you know what I mean? Or Mike Neok gets to do some stuff in the late rounds. And it's just, I just hate, I just hate how we're building this roster. We're devoid of superstars. Who is the face of our franchise? Derek Carr? I would argue that the best player on our franchise is, is Waller. You know what I mean? And, I, and I'm struggling. I'm, I'm looking around now thinking, God, who else is a Pro Bowl player on this roster? You know, like in their prime of their career and a Pro Bowl player. I'm thinking Josh Jacobs is a very good running back and Colton Miller is an ascending left tackle. On the defence, we've got Mout. You know, we've got Yannick Ngokwe who's coming. You know, we're paying him £12 million a year. That brings that fifth-year option into, you know, when we're talking about Clay Fell's fifth-year option, if, he's, if he comes from that fifth-year, it's £11 million, It's a million less than what we're paying Yannick Ngokwe. <laughs> that, that, that just goes to show, like people don't think about that you know what I mean no, that, that's something to think about you know the way that the 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 the, the, 
the salary cap for rookies is structured. That fifth year option for for, for Clay is a, a real big sticking point. We're reaching another sticking point soon with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is a very solid quarterback, very really good quarterback. There's a lot of franchises that would like Derek Carr. He's smart. He's got a good arm. He's accurate. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's athletic. He can move around the pocket and he's got quick feet and he can evade pressure. He's got a problem with fumbles. He had small hands coming into the NFL and he's fumbled the ball a lot and a lot of them lead to turnovers, you know. Um, but but he's got better year upon year under Gruden. And look, Derek Carr's not the problem. The problem is, is that we've got Justin Herbert and we've got Mahomes in our division. And Derek Carr's playing lights out and barely and can't make it into the top 10 as a quarterback. And he's playing his best football. You know, and you've got to go, how much more of a ceiling does Derek Carr have? Because really, if we've got two top five, top 10 quarterbacks in our division, is Derek Carr, you know, as a top 15 quarterback, going to be enough to defeat them? You know, Ruggs, I really like Ruggs. I'm expecting a big jump from Ruggs this year. He came in, he was young. I'm not entirely sure Gruden knew what to do with him to the point where we were throwing screens to Jason Witten, but not throwing screens to Henry Ruggs. You know what I mean? And it, and it was like, fucking hell, what, what the, what, what's going on? Yeah, we're using Jason Witten in the screen game more than we're using Henry Ruggs. But in all reports, he's, you know, he's, he's, come, he's come back big, Alice. Yeah, he needed to be because he really struggled getting off press last year. Um, but he's, he, he's, he was a junior coming out, you know, so which, which, you know, he's young player coming out, 21 coming out. Um, and so I'm, I'm really hopeful for him next year. I, I really hope he makes a leap. And I think he has got talent to do that. You know, and I think that um, Nelson Aguilar moving on, you know, we're, we're looking at him to fill them shoes. We had three third round picks last year. You know, God, Mike Mayock, I remember his quote. He said, having third round picks is, can be like stealing. You know, like you can get some really good players in the third round. But we've got Tana Muse, who's now an afterthought and is probably way down the depth chart and going to end up on special teams somewhere. We've got Lim Borden, who was traded before we even kicked the game off, before we even kicked the season off. And we've got Brian Edwards, who at this moment in time probably looks the best shot for actually getting something from them three third-round picks, you know what I mean? I like, what, I, I, like, I like a lot of the later portion of the draft. I like Trayvon Morig. I really like that pick. The more I watch of Koontz, the more I like him. The more I watch of Hobbs, the more I like him. You know, like I, I do like I do like what what we did in the later rounds. I don't mind this this draft class. You know what I mean? But I just don't know what the identity of this of this franchise is. Um, you know, I really don't. You know, Kenyon Drake would give a lot of money to, and I kind of get it. I don't mind it. This year it's very team friendly. Next year it's not. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, we, we, we drafted three safeties this year. This is after already drafting a first-round safety two years ago. Divine Diablo is probably going to play as a linebacker. But we had a safety who was meant to play as a linebacker last year in Tanner Muse. You know, like, it's just odd. It's just, it's just, I don't know what the philosophy is. I really don't. I really don't know what the philosophy is. I like some of the off-season tradition. I like Anik and Gokwe. He's got a bit to prove, you know, but he played his best football under Gus Bradley, you know, at the Jags when, when Gus Bradley was there as the defensive coordinator. Um, defensive tackle really worries us. You know, we've got a load of bodies there, but 
unless we get some inside push, it doesn't really matter that you've got Max Crosby and Yannick Ngokwe coming off the edge if the quarterback's just got a clean pocket to step into. Offensively, I think we'll be all right. The big question is what's going to happen along that offensive line. We'll have to get younger and we'll have to get, we'll have to get cheaper. That was the truth. We're paying offensive line an astronomical amount of our salary cap proportion. And when you threw Carr into that mix and what Carr was on, a large amount of money was in our O-line and quarterback. And it meant that we couldn't get talent around the roster. So obviously we let go of Trent available. We let go of Gabe Jackson, who had been on the decline anyway, and had declined year upon year since Nikhil's injury. We let go of Rodney Hudson, who was struggling in the run game and wasn't the player that we'd seen before. But there's a lot of moving parts in there. You know, there's a lot of moving parts in there. Colton Miller has improved year upon year. I think he's got a pro bowl in his future. I'm signing him up for a long-term deal. Um, Richie Incognito's north of 37 now and injured all last season with an Achilles. So let's hope he can be fit. But if he can't, he can still bring something. Andre James, they clearly liked something about him. It was more like he didn't screw up rather than he was good. When Hudson was down and expectations were ha- weren't high because he was replacing a pro ball player when Hudson was injured a few years back, he's got some big shoes to fill. Yeah, good. Denzel Good wasn't that good. He just wasn't that. He just wasn't a screw up. You know what I mean? No, but you know he's coming in at right guard, and Alex Leverwood's at right tackle. Um, a lot will hinge because Carr needs protecting. Carr needs protecting because he'll fumble the ball. He'll turn it over if he's if he's getting hit. He'll put it on the ground. So, and and we need to have lanes for our run game because we've just invested in Kenyon Drake and we've got Josh Jacobs there who's got a first round pick in him. So we need to get something going on the run game. Wide receiver, we're voting John Brown. I like that. I like John Brown, but he's never really played a full season. He's always been injured throughout his career. We're looking for rugs to step up. We haven't really got an X receiver. We talked about the X position last week, you know, and what the X needs to do. At this moment in time, our X is probably Brian Edwards. Didn't see a lot of them last year. Um, while I will flex out there quite a lot in the X. Um, defensively, pff, fucking hell. Your guess is as good as mine. You know, like what's going to go on there? We've, I think we've got two good pieces of Max Crosby and Yannick and Gokwe. I like our linebacker core and what it can be. I like what Corey Littleton can be in a Gus Bradley system. He was a Pro Bowl player at the Rams before he came and was a bin fire at the Raiders last year. <laughs> the Marcus Joyner's gone, thank fuck, because he was a lousy slot. Nevin Lawson's been brought back and to be honest with you, Nevin Lawson's been, been probably been our most consistent slot player over the last year, you know what I mean? So we know we've got somebody steady up and play a slot. We've got Amick Robertson and we've got Nate Hobbs, so we're meant to be competing for that slot position. We've got Trayvon Mullen um, in one corner position, who I liked his rookie year. He regressed a little bit in his, in his next season, but he's got the talent there and he's good in coverage. He needs to improve in the run game. Um, got Haywood. You know, like who's familiar with Gus Bradley from his time at LA. He's he's already kicked on it out and he's starting in the other corner position. Safety, we're going to have more at free safety. Maybe Gillespie, who we drafted, who I really like. Um, Abraham's probably going to be a box safety. We want to keep him away from deep coverage as much as possible. Um, yeah, I just I just don't. We're going into year five and Gruden, and I, and I, and I just don't see. We're not a bad team. 
we're not going to lose enough games to be picking early in the draft, but we're not going to win enough games to be pushing in the playoffs. I'm guessing that next year we're going to be picking around 17, 18, 19 again. We're probably going to win seven or eight games again. I just don't see us getting over that hump. Um, and, and, and to be honest with you, Gruden's record isn't particularly good. You know, like Gruden's record as a, as a, as a Raiders head coach, uh, or as a coach since he won the Super Bowl for that fact, you know what I mean? Isn't that good? Um, he struggles after the bye week. His offense seems to get figured out, which isn't difficult, considering he still runs a lot of plays from 2005, which is freely available on the internet. You know, there's 2005 playbooks on the internet for everybody to read. And it seems that a lot of his plays still come from that. Um, yeah, th there needs to be a little bit more... When Gruden come back, we gave him a 10-year deal and people thought it was mental and I thought it was mental, even though I was excited because he'd been out the game so long and he didn't go to college and coach college or he wasn't a coordinator. He was out of the game. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he got he left as head coach and went as a, a coordinator somewhere. I went to a college team. He was out of the game. He was in a broadcasting booth. You know what I mean? And, and we brought him back and I think we'd got... People, some people got excited. Some people were wary. Um. Because the last time we were really any good, you know, like was under Gruden, you know, when we're in the Super Bowl, uh, or was that that year before I'm when we had Rich Cannon and stuff like that, you know, when he, he'd left by the time we got the Super Bowl and beat us with your booking yards, Jamie, you know, like in the in the Super Bowl final. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, it just looks like he's out of date and he's out of touch. It looks like he still can't evaluate talent, you know, with 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 God, the talent, the the, the not just the draft capital. The actual salary cap that we've allocated to free agents that just hasn't come off. There's been, you know, like Millie Collins, Lamarcus Joyner, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they were Trent Brown, you know, these these were big ticket free agencies that just haven't come off. And now we're close up against the cap again. And we're looking around and I'm going, I don't know who's going to be a second year contract play out of our draft picks. I think Mullen has the potential to be one. Hunter Renfro is good, but he's a slot. You know, like they're, they're the kind of positions where you hope to find all the time in the middle rounds. I wouldn't be too sharp. He would see a second contract because you'd just go, would, maybe we would find another one in round four or five. Mm. Um, Ferrell, I've already said, I wouldn't extend and give him a fifth-year option because I wouldn't pay 11 million for him. Abram's a strong safety who's going to be refined as a boxing. He's not Jamal Adams or Derwin James. I'm sorry, he's not. Jamal Adams and Derwin James can fucking cover. You know what I mean? Though? Like, Jamal Adams can actually fucking cover. I think that's an un underrated part of his game. That whilst he's not this Minka Fitzpatrick ball hook and safety, he's a very steady in coverage safety. John Abrams has been fire on coverage. Although he's got the athleticism to show that he should be able to do it, but he just hasn't got the brain to be able to do it from what I see. Um, yeah, there's a lot of question marks about the direction that this is going. And if you can tell, I'm quite flat about it because I'm just deliberately not trying to get carried away. Because... <laughs> The NFL's good when the Raiders are good. They're one of those franchises with a lot of history and obviously the Madden era, you know, and Al Davis and the players that were played, the Charles Woodson, you know what I mean? And, and, and you know, like, you know, we've all, Harry Long and all these superstars that have been on the you know, branch and, you know, like, we've, all, we've always been a decent team, like, you know, um, just at the minute, we just see, it just seems very boring. We just seem very, very boring. 
in which just sexy about the team is the i think that's what i'd say about it like you look at some teams there's some sexy players that you just yeah. love to see but i'm using that word sexy but there's nothing sexy about the raiders they're just it's interesting going through the motions it's interesting what we're going to do with car because he's on a very team friend when we signed car we signed him as the most expensive quarterback in the league and this is why he appears to get your quarterbacks done early because now that £25 million a year is a bargain. And he's actually on about £20 million this year as it starts tailing off and there's no guaranteed money. But he's going to be back at the table soon. And there's going to be a decision that's going to be made. Because I'm not paying Carl over £30 million a season. But that's probably what he's going to want. Because quarterbacks reset the market. And he's a decent quarterback. He's probably going to come in and go, I want Carson Wentz money at least. Which is £35 million a year. And I'm not paying him it. I wouldn't pay him it. He's not worth it. He said he wants to be a Raider for life. If he wants to be a Raider for life, Mike Mills, put a contract on the table for him now and say, I'll give you £25 million a year. For the next five years, I'll give you £125 million quid and I'll guarantee the fucking lot of it. There you go. You can be a Raider for life and accept £25 million a year because at least I can put money elsewhere. I think I, I think somebody else made that point. I think I remember reading that this week. I thought that's a really good point to make. And I was thinking that point myself at the time. Can't remember who made that point, but I remember I was thinking it saying he wants to be a Raider for life, offer him fucking twenty-five million pound a year for the next five years and guarantee the fucking lot. You know, and, and and then at least then you can put money elsewhere around the roster, you know what I mean? Because if Derek Carr comes to the negotiating table and says I want thirty-five million, I am fucking paying him it. I'm paying him it if he wants thirty. His ceiling's tapped out. And I don't think he's gonna get any better. And what we've seen is he's not good enough to win this division. And that's not his fault because he's, he's the talent around him needs elevating. He needs a defense and that kind of stuff, you know. And it's but, what you say about Brady as well. Brady takes those pay cuts to get these weapons around him. I know you talk about this elastic cap and whatever, but <laughs> Brady does take cuts on his pay to make sure that everybody else can get paid. And that's why he has been a serial winner. That's why he's got seven Super Bowls because he's taken cuts because he knows he's got his own brand out there that he's going to make that money anyway and he's allowing that money to bring everybody else in and that's why he wins and everyone's like why does he keep winning all the time because he's taking cuts to bring weapons in to bring more ammunition to his weapon but yeah. we, 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 we're a very young team and there's a lot of players who have got to show more than what they've, what they've done so far i think there is potential i think mullen can be better mal uh cosby i think can be better with yannick across him you know, like in playing in a more reduced pass rushing role where he's not asked to play as many snaps and he's fresher. You know, I think Clee Farrell is a good player. I just wouldn't have chosen where he was. Damon Arnett, don't go there. I fucking <laughs> understand when the day he picked him. Still don't understand why we chose him now. And, for, and, for, and he's shown everything like he was, like he was a really average talent that shouldn't have been chosen anywhere in the round one, yet alone top 20. And that's a coach's pick, that. No scout. Is banging the table for Damon Ornette because he's got no scoutable traits. It's a coach who got behind his mentality. That's on Gruden that. Um, you know, like and 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 yeah, it's just like I'm I'm just kind of a little bit like we're not bad enough. We're not. We're, we're going to win six games at least this season. I just don't see us winning more than eight. And I can say that like I just don't see us getting across at home. Yeah. I think that's all a pretty good summary. I, I think. I seem to say this about one team on every podcast, but I don't know what the Raiders are doing. I don't know where they're going. I don't understand what they want to be. I didn't get the Gruden hire when they made it. I didn't get it when they made it. 
like you said, you, you had to know that he'd been out the league a really long time. And to be honest, by the Super Bowl year, his coaching record isn't that great. No, yes. not, not after the Super Bowl year, John. He was good up until he won the Super Bowl and then really poor afterwards. Yeah, you know I mean? that's it. He's like, that's the thing. It feels like football's passed Gruden by a little bit. He's great on TV. You know, he's really, yeah, he was a fun analyst. He, knew, he knows football, but I don't think he knows, well, 21st century football, to be honest. And to tie yourself to a 10-year deal with him, I, just, I didn't get it then, don't get it now. Mayock I really like, but Mayock may also be another one of those guys, good on TV, not so good when it actually comes to picking players. I think that's it. You, I didn't have a problem. When you traded Khalil Mack, I was kind of like, I don't like it because Mack's one of the best players in the league. But if they do something with the picks, no one will care. But the problem is you didn't. So mm. now you, you a few years down the line and haven't been able and you again you hit the nail on the head they're trying to replace that player that they've traded it's like if you're going to trade someone you better have an idea what you're going to do if they're gone you know we see players get tra- certainly top players get traded so rarely but usually it's because somebody is 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 waiting to take the spot you know if it's a young quarterback behind an older quarterback Mon- montana gets traded young's behind him you know th- these things happen i can get that but to me, there was no plan. It was just, we don't want to pay this guy. Maybe he couldn't pay this guy. That was the rumour at the time. The money wasn't there to pay to pay the guaranteed money. I don't know if that was true. Obviously, things have changed since then when they moved to Vegas and stuff. Yeah, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. I think you're right. You're in You're in football purgatory. You're, you're not going to be bad enough to start a full rebuild. I'm not even sure that you can because it's not like Gruden's going to go anywhere. Exactly. I can't see that they're going to get rid of it. So, like, you're going to end up in that sort of mid-round, kind of where you were this year, maybe a little bit further back. And it's hard to get up from there. It's hard to, like, do... It's hard to get a genuine, like, top player from that from that spot. You know, you can do it, but it's not... It's harder to do than it is in the top ten. I, I don't know. It's a struggle to see anything. There, there are signs of good players but i just don't know how how it's going to all fit together it's a really big mystery it's probably the biggest mystery in this division in terms of like how they're going to turn out on the plus side you've started a lot of seasons well it's the end of the season that seems to fuck you over you know like you've started seasons well and then go on losing runs towards the end of the year so there's some talent there it's just whether you can sustain it i guess um this roster continually has a lot of churn and that would roster's a build when you've got X amount of free agents leaving and continually churning and bringing in starters and looking at it shows that you've got no substance on your on, on your roster. You know what I mean? Though? Like we're we went out and we're bringing in lots and lots. We're signing Yannick and Gokwe. We're getting here. We're signing half a dozen fucking free uh, free agent defensive tackles. You know, you know, there's a there's a there's a lot of churn on this roster, which yeah. tells me they still haven't found a formula. They still don't know what their formula is. We're going into year five of Gruden. And he still doesn't know what his formula is because we're just churning this roster continually. It's and a it's very like, Gruden thing, that, though. If you look at his time in Tampa Bay, they never really, other than the Super Bowl year, didn't seem to have a settled roster. There was always changes at QB, changes at receiver. It, they never settled, and he's kind of took that with him. I, I, I don't understand why he's like that. Maybe he is that hard to work with. I don't know. Maybe he is. I don't know. He's a, he's a strange guy. I know that. You know, he's he's certainly a different 
you know, he's certainly not like a lot of other coaches in the league. He's a very old school coach. I don't think he can do that in today's NFL. I think the NFL's kind of swapped, you know, the way it treats its players and stuff. Do you know, Gruden's going to see his 10 years because coaches are all guaranteed and Mark Davis loves them. That's a fact. So we're going to see 10 years of Gruden. We're going to see 10 years of Gruden unless he decides to quit. I'm seeing it now. If we, I reckon, will be looking to, I reckon in 10 years of Gruden, we might see one playoff appearance. I'll be, if I'm a betting man, I'm betting on the under one, one or under playoff in 10 years of Gruden. <laughs> That's what I'm going for because we're halfway through it now, and I don't, I don't, I can't see a, well, I can't see a playoff, I can't see a playoff, you know, like this year at least with the way that the Chargers and the Broncos are building, and with with the Chiefs in our division and the the schedule that we've got, so we're already kicking the can down the road to year six, and there is a bit of cap available in in year six, so there could be another influx of free agents coming in, and I think that's what we're banking on, you know, like I think that's what we're banking on because. Yeah, I, I, whilst our drafting in the middle rounds has been all right, you know, like that's all. We're not looked at, we're not talking superstars here. You know what I mean? Or Mullen and Crosby and Hunter Renfrew are, are, are solid, they're above average for what for where they were chosen, but they're not. We're not talking Cole Beasley. You know what I mean? Or we're not talking Nick Bosa. You know, we're not we're not we're not we're not talking we're not talking like you know like Darius Slay or players like that. We're just talking about very solid. 60 graded PFF players, like you know what I mean? And it's like we can get carried away and think we've got these superstars and they make it, and you're like, like, like Denzel Good. Everyone thinks Denzel Good's mint is his PFF grade was about 50. <laughs> yeah, it was just average, you know what I mean? And that's what it is. We're getting it's it's we're just we're just a very average team, we're just a very average team. And I think we've actually got I think that was more down than it is up. Or it might just be like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think, yeah, I think it's just a, I think it's just treading water, isn't it? Like, okay, Bones, anything optimistic to say about the Raiders, please, someone pull us out of this. So have, we got, have we got something good? Have we got anything good? I mean, it's been, it's, I, there's not a lot I can say that hasn't already been covered. There was, there was one point Mark mentioned that I thought was, I thought was interesting. I don't know if it's a positive, but, um, I thought the identity part was quite interesting. It is it's a very good point. Like right now, what is the Raiders' identity? There have been periods in the Raiders' history where you can very easily identify their identity. Like you said, there's been there's been the John Madden era, you know, you've had the seventies where the, the the mean the mean Raiders that we spoke about at the top of the show. Like there's there's been the, the Al Davis era where he, it doesn't matter what you draft as long as it's the fastest guy that can draft at the position. He has to be the fastest man at that position. And now with John Gruden, I I know he learned under Al Davis and I know that Mark that Mark Davis likes him and all this. But he feel he, he's just Al Davis light. It doesn't work anymore, and I feel like that's why they lack an because I don't feel Gruden has his own identity. I feel like he's, and I think that's part of the Raiders' problem right now. I think it's a very good point. I think, I think there's a lot of teams that do need an identity. Do I think every team needs an identity to be successful? You need a vision. You need a goal. You need something to drive the team, like a. <laughs> a force to, to make your decisions in the draft board. And I, I fully agree. Like I, I, I honestly don't know what the Raiders, what the Raiders identity is right now. I don't know what they're drafting for, where, and it's tough. It is tough. And I think when it comes down to it, like 
I, I, yeah, all right. There's quite, there is quite a lot of young people. There's a lot of young, but young potential gets you fired. Like a whole team of that doesn't get you wins, does it? Like this is what you've been saying. Like it gets, you, it gets you six and six and ten or whatever. Like it gets you. Like it would get him. Any other coach in the league would be fired after multiple seasons of that, and we've all seen it happen numerous times. So, yeah. It's it's a really tough one, I think, and we've had it. We had at least one of these in every division. It feels like uh, we really don't know where they're going right now. It's it's really hard to tell what's going on, and maybe in a year or two we'll all look back and be like, "Wow, they played us for fools," and they'll be winning Super Bowls. But right now, I just I don't see it. I think the Bears want to run the ball. John Gruden wants to run the ball. He must. He's got a first-round running back, and he just signed a big free agent in Kenyon Drake. It paid him well as well. He really wants to run the ball. Which kind of contradicts itself when you're building a new offensive line. You know what I mean? We know that the running game is a product of the offensive line, and he's put three new pieces on that. You know, like and and and, and he's got an, and, and the other piece. You know, one of the other two pieces is 38. You know, and there's big questions and marks about how he's going to come back. Um, yeah, it's just yeah. You know, who's the face of this franchise? You know, who the face of this franchise is? John Gruden. <laughs> yeah, I say if you want the identity of the Raiders, it's John Gruden, and that's maybe the problem. Um, what about you, Jamie? Come on, you've always got something optimistic to say. What, what have we got for the Raiders? Well, unfortunately, I don't really have a lot of positive stuff to say about the Raiders. As you know, I do the podcast with Matt Davenport, and he just likes to completely slate the Raiders. And he brings up this point. The Raiders have only had one winning season yeah. since reaching the Super Bowl in yeah. 2002. Granted, in since 2000, like they had uh, three back-to-back that they won their division in 2000, 2001, 2002. Since then, they've had one winning season in 2016 and they lost the wildcard playoffs and Derek Carr broke his leg. Yeah, game four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's like I said when Mark was speaking, I, it kind of links to the identity thing. There's nothing sexy about the Raiders. They're just they're just going through the motions. There's they're not as an exciting team to watch to play. Like you love to see Mahomes do these weird throws. You love to see the the Bucks offense or defense, however you want to talk about the books some teams have those players that you really want to watch Derek Henry you just want to see him just run down people and mow them down you want to see Tyreek Hill just sprint down the field the Raiders don't have that they haven't got that superstar x factor if you want to talk in Madden terms there's no x factor player there that you want to go and watch all the time you could argue Josh Jacobs should have maybe won offensive rookie of the year like but it always goes to quarterbacks and maybe he is going to be really good. But when was the last time you saw a running back last three, four years at top level besides Derrick Henry? Yeah, that's it. The one contract guys most of the time, aren't they? That's, that's, that's kind of it. Especially like somebody, I know Jacobs was like lightly used at Alabama, but he's a starting running back for the Raiders. So he's going to have a lot of tread on his tires by the end of the, you know, the three, four years that he's got on his rookie deal. I can yeah. I, I, I love Doug Martin, and Doug Martin went to the Raiders, but he didn't really see a lot of stuff, did he? No. Um, I can think of two positives. 
One is that Alex Leatherwood pick, and what I do like about it is, is offensive linemen do normally see a second contract. So if if he shows that he can hold his own, the chances are we're going to see at least five years and maybe an extension out of him. I, like whilst I don't like Leatherwood as the pick, and I would have chose Davis, or I do like the fact that we took an offensive lineman in round one because it's got some value to it. Whether Leatherwood was the right player is fucking debatable. I would have took Davisor, as you know. <laughs> that I do like, that we took an offensive lineman in round one. I like the Morig pick in round two. I think he can be a really good player. I evaluated him a lot. I wouldn't have minded if we took him round one. But I don't buy this bullshit either. Of, oh, well, flip the picks and it'll be all right. No, you draft as the board falls. It would have. What would have been better would have been Davisor and Morig and not fucking Leatherwood and Morig. You know what I mean? Don't give us this bullshit of, oh, well, just switch the picks around and you would be happy. No, you draft as the board falls. Sorry. You know what I mean? Uh, and Gus Bradley should move the needle on defence. You know, Gunther's defence for all intents and purposes was very complicated. And Gus Bradley's is a much more simplified version. And it's, you know, like it's a lot, it's a lot of what we saw Robert Salah do well at the San Francisco 49ers. Cover, cover three with some wrinkles. Is how I would describe it. He's kind of progressed a little bit better than Dan Quinn has out of that cover three system. And he's got some innovations around it. And I do think that we will see an uptick on defence this year. I think we'll probably, instead of being in the bottom quarter, find ourselves still as the, you know, like more, still in the back half of defensive rankings. But I'm hoping we'll find ourselves at least 17th, 18th, 19th defensive ranked. Instead of like 29, 30, or 31st defensive rank, like you know. Um, so there's there is there is them positives. I do like that they drafted offensive an offensive lineman in man one. Because I do think that you'll see a second contract out of it at least, you know. Yeah, I think I think you hit on a good thing as well, because Bradley, good defensive coordinator, if you can get a little bit out of that defense, you know, there's a chance to make you a better team. Listen, we're gonna hit the two hour mark. So uh, we did think we were going to do that. So let's um, let's try and let's try. We're and one hour when Mark started. No, we <laughs> you know, I tried to simplify your fears as well. But I could have went on longer and longer. Uh, we should have just done an episode on the Raiders, I think. Um, right, let's go to the division predictions. I think the Chiefs is obvious at number yeah. one, isn't it? I think we're, we're all pretty dead set on that. I can't, I'm open to suggestions on two, three, four. I think, based on what we've just heard, it's hard not to put the Raiders at four. No, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think the Raiders are a better team than the Broncos. I think the Broncos have got a better yeah. off that, but I back Derek Carr to win more games than Drew Locke. If, yeah, if, if, yeah, if, if yeah. Rodgers went, it could be completely different. But at this yeah. moment in time, as the Broncos, they are the worst team in that division. Yeah, they've got a good yeah. team. They'll win enough games and they'll not be picking top 10. They'll probably win six or seven games, you know, because their defence will keep them in games. But Joe Lock won't win them enough games by himself. So yeah. I'm open with, I'm happy going Kansas City Chiefs as the winners. Broncos as the worst team. Chargers yeah. as the second team because of, yeah. you know, Herbert. And Real as the third team. And that's the way I'd have it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's fair. I think that's fair. I could I could make an argument for actually no, I couldn't. I think that's probably fair, yeah. I, third third and fourth, it's it's very dependent on the Broncos in it. It's dependent on how good they could be, but I think with Drew Lockett QB, they're, they're not gonna win that many games. 
Um, Chargers second seems fair to me. Do we think Chargers might sneak a wild card? I said in my sum up, yeah. I thought they would. Do we I think, think yeah, they can? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I think, yeah, I think, I think this could be a two wild card team, uh, two, uh, two playoff like, division. I think you can see a wild card come from this division. And I'm thinking the Chargers could do it, especially with Derwin James coming back. They definitely seem the most likely, I think, out of the teams that are left. Um, unless somebody gets hot. I mean, to be honest, you know, much as we have just bagged on them for the best part of three quarters of an hour, the Raiders, if they were to get on a bit of a run, I think they could sneak it. They almost did a couple of years ago, just fell apart down the stretch. You know, it's, it's possible. Anything's, yeah. The nice thing about this time of year, guys, anything's possible. So, yeah. It's, it's, the, it's for the dreamers, isn't it? But, I mean, last season, Raiders were 8-8, eight and eight, Chargers were 7-9. and nine. One Dif- game difference, really, isn't it? So, it, it's a toss-up between them. Like, would you be surprised if Raiders were second? No. Would you be surprised yeah. if they were fourth? Maybe. Yeah. Like, but you, you, you wouldn't be happy on a fourth. But, I mean, you could still be eight. I mean, you can't be eight and eight, but you could still be... Eight and nine and be third. You could be nine and eight and be third. You don't know how it's going to go, do you? You said that you've got a pretty tough run in this year as, as yeah, a Raider. We've got a tough so, schedule, you have, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you can't finish eight and eight this year due to the 17th game. So, you're either having a winning season or you're having a losing <laughs> season. Yeah. No franchise is stuck in purgatory now. So they, you might have, have a winning or a losing season unless you tie a game, I suppose. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point. I never really thought of that. That's quite funny. Right, so I think that's where we are then. Um, we'll, we'll do a we'll do a wrap up, I guess. We've got one episode to go. This is the penultimate um, division breakdown. We we open next week with the NFC West. So guess who I'm representing? Um, I, I, is Jordan back next week? Jordan should He's, be back next week. He said he'd be back for his Seahawks, didn't he? He did, yeah. I think we might let him host next week as well if he wants to. <laughs> we'll see what he's we'll see what he's feeling. Uh but yeah, so it'll be the NFC West next week, 49ers, Seahawks, Cardinals and some other irrelevant lot. Rams, Rams, that's what I forgot. The Rams. <laughs> the, the, team gone, the team that was been like in the <laughs> were, were they in the playoffs? The last uh, to quote, to quote a former 49ers player, new city, new stadium, same old sorry-ass Rams. So we'll, we'll, we'll get to that next week. But uh, well, you, forget that they, you forget that they traded for one of the best quarterbacks in the league that everybody sleeps on. So, Are you taking the Rams next week? I think I'm going to have to, aren't I? I I'm, I'm going to have to. I'll get, in, I'll get the Cardinals. Fucking want the Cardinals as well. <laughs> I'm up for that. So yeah, I, I will be breaking down the 49ers, of course. Jordan will be breaking down the Seahawks, of course. Bones will be breaking down the Rams, and Mark will be breaking down the Cardinals. So come join us next week. It'll be the last division episode. We don't quite know what we're going to do after that, but until next time.